you're back. You're that's your spice melange, the probiotic yeah. soda. You're being transported. It's the water of life. You're being transported, <laughs> Gareth. Well, just in case we forget to mention it, the purple things that the um the what are they called? Mentats drink. Yeah. yeah. Is essentially that brain juice that I was talking about like <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, man. Because that's bright purple. Yeah. They got they got that Mintech technology in 2022. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where they we're finally caught up to the year 2191. No, what? <laughs> Jesus. 10191. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm giving up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we have to talk about Dune. It'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, good on us. I've almost covered it all. Almost. Almost. Oh. And then we do, like, chapter by chapter a book review of... <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, should we do the Dune miniseries from the oh early 2000s? God. But, like, no one's even heard of that. No. I've seen images on the Dune wiki that I've now frequented Ooh. several times. Just... <laughs> Just to, like, see what's up. But, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> but apparently it's, like, fairly faithful. But, yeah, I don't know. Don't think it's ne- I don't think it's necessary, Gareth. We aren't a <laughs> mini-series podcast. Oh. The only way we could do that is if we could listen to um, Dark Side of the Moon on mini-disc. Yeah. Alongside the mini-series. That's the only way. <laughs> yeah, or if Pink Floyd started, like, a... Dark Side of the Moon Club had mailed you a song a week. Yeah. And then we kind of only listened to that one song for an entire episode. <laughs> it's a good nine weeks, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Where's the, where's the fan club, Pink Floyd? Honestly. Please. It's oh. just, they're just posting images of their posters, their tour posters from like the 70s. They're mm. like, remember this sweet poster? And that's kind <laughs> of their whole presence online. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, they've like changed the password and they're not letting Roger Walters yeah, into yeah. the Twitter page and everything. So good. Such <laughs> oh, a drama. I know. It's called, right. the password is just Roger Walters sucks. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Damn. And the spelling, his last name is Walters in the password, so he's never going to get it. No, no. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk. Let's okay. talk into the mics. Yeah. I've been talking into my fist this whole time. <laughs> I've been talking into my hairbrush. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like that. It's very, like, clueless energy. Very good. Okay. I'm ready for your intro. Okay. Ugh, am I ready for my intro? Probably not. It's a question <laughs> I ask myself every week. <laughs> I'm not really ready for mine, but I'm barreling in. We're barreling in. Yeah. Chaksa. <laughs> <laughs> a beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that is the year 2021. The known universe is ruled by the Pink Floyd. My father. <laughs> in this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the sinks. The sinks extend life. The sinks expand consciousness. The sinks are vital to podcast travel. The sinking guild and its navigators, <laughs> who, who the sinks have navigated over 4,000 years, use the sink spice gas, which gives them the ability to fold sound. That is, 
travel to any part of the universe without moving out of their podcast studios. Oh yes, I forgot to tell you. Welcome to Sink Floyd, the podcast where we watch every movie ever made to see if it syncs up with Pink Floyd's 1973 magnum opus, The Dark Side of the Moon. A desolate, dry podcast with vast deserts, <laughs> hidden, but hidden away in the rocks of these deserts is a host known as me, Gareth Blackclaw, oh. who has long held a prophecy that a man will come, a messiah who will lead them to true freedom, and that man is James Barron. Hello, James. Hi, it's James Mordeeb here, <laughs> ready to save the world. I'm the white savior that you've been waiting for, Gareth. <laughs> it's me. Oh. I'm here to fix the problems of Earth through the medium of my podcast, <laughs> much like many <laughs> podcasters out there aim to do. Mm. Oh, my gosh. How's it going? We're here we're back. We've had a little bit of a break, and now we're talking the final, the final stage of this marathon Dune watch, mm. where we've hit the final stepping stone, and we're hitting uh, Dune nineteen eighty four, baby, uh, by David Lynch, a yeah. good friend of the pod. Yeah, the only um, director of the only movie which we did a whole episode on, and still don't know what how it sinks to Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Did we just give that yeah. like an ambitious question mark and that's it for I that rating? I think we gave it a Z. Oh, yeah. That sounds like us. <laughs> yeah. Might <laughs> need to revisit that because I'm going to crunch some numbers when we get closer to the end of this quest. And I'm going <laughs> to need to know how that overall director sings. Right. I feel we'll like Z's that. an unknown integer that we can decide mm. later. It has, a, it has a floating value that we'll figure out. Yeah. Uh, through various <laughs> Mintat calculations. Gareth, um, uh. yes, June 1984, David Lynch, uh, much maligned adaptation mm. of the of the source material. Um, but we're big fans of the Lynch man, aren't we? Like, we- In general, the Lynch man, yeah. Yeah. Right? I, or are I'm, you calling this film the Lynch man? <laughs> I'm calling the man himself, the director, David, um, mm. the Lynch man, yeah. I like his work. I like many of his films and I like Twin Peaks quite a lot. Um, yeah. So I was quite excited to watch this. I knew I went in completely blind mm. um, to this watch of, uh, of June 1984. I did, I did watch it clean and then watched it with the, the Floyds in the background once I'd done that. And I'm so glad that I did because this film is bananas. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, oh, Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it falls deeply into the category of my of fantasy as hell, um, mm -hmm. and is also just so stupid in so many ways that it reminded me eerily of another film that we recently got done talking about, Krull. <laughs> yes, I couldn't believe how similar to Krull this was, right down to the actors in it. <laughs> like, yeah. Lynch must have seen Krull and been like, okay, that's how I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Finally. He, yeah. He has to have seen it, right? Like, it is it is so close and so mm. similar. <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's, it's just, yeah. I felt like this is Krull part two that I was watching. <laughs> yes. I, it absolutely could be. Just a different planet yeah, in the Krull world. It's us, our listeners, potentially- 
and uh, old David Lynch that have seen the movie Krull and no one else on planet Earth has. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, uh, so good. Everyone on the planet Arrakis. Oh, yeah. Vital viewing <laughs> down, in the, <laughs> down in the dunes, in the desert <laughs> caves. Oh, my God. Oh. Yes. Now, you, you mentioned this film is directed by David Lynch. Mm-hmm. But... So this obviously had a very infamous production. David yeah. Lynch doesn't like to talk about it. Um, so it is directed by him, but sat down to watch it. It starts, as movies do. Mm. Um, credits are rolling, directed by, and it's not David Lynch. It's named Alan Smithy. Mm. Because I'd accidentally put on the three-hour version of this film. Whoa. So, <laughs> Yes. Do you know who Alan Smithy is? I don't know who Alan Smithy is. And I'm worried that we've watched different versions of the film now. <laughs> no, don't worry. I have synced the David Lynch version. Oh, but whew. Alan Smithy is a pseudonym that directors are allowed to use if they can um, completely prove that they had no control over the final film. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like if you're ashamed enough, you can legally have no credit you're just never allowed to actually talk about directing it wow so yeah david lynch he scraped in to be able to say that he directed this one but then when they started recutting it for tv and they made this three-hour version where i watched quite a lot of it (laughs) because i (laughs) didn't realize what i was doing um there's a lot of scenes which were it essentially looks like they just caught the actors kind of preparing to start filming like you know how oh, you'll weird. start rolling and then you'll say action <laughs> they've kept all that and they just put more voiceovers on it Aww. like just this one man kind of explaining like oh shit okay so this is this is duncan idaho and he's he's like oh man so his deal it's like <laughs> it's like a powerpoint presentation where the person did no <laughs> research for a whole film wow and yeah david lynch was like no i'm Wait, what was my great David Lynch voice? You guys can't say I directed that. So he's directed, he's credited as Alan Smithy for direction. Mm. And also the um, screenplay is by Judas Booth, named Ooh. after Judas and John Wilkes Booth. Wow. Damn, yeah. dude. Woof. Yeah. Lynch coming with the hot fire. Gosh. Right? Unreal, dude. Also a great impression, yeah. I must say. I do agree with you. <laughs> Uh, really good, really good stuff. Thank you. If you could just say, if you can believe it, it's Friday once again. That would be wonderful <laughs> for me. Uh, see, I haven't seen those yet. Those are the David Lynch um, weather reports he does on YouTube. So right? good. He ju- no, he, it's no, there's no weather report. He just says the, to d- the day's date and then says, if you can believe it, it's Friday once again. And that's it. He does it every week and he's been doing it for like over a year or two now. (laughs) Whoa. It's really wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. If you can't believe it. No, I can't do it. It's (laughs) because that's a direct quote and not me reading his mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's well Um, worth seeing. Seeking out. Yeah. That's his his much better work than this film. So. (laughs) One he's more proud of. Yeah. Um, But yeah, listeners, if you feel like doing some homework, which (laughs) if you're going to do homework about anything, it is June. Mm. Definitely look into the Alan Smithy name. It's f- really interesting. Like, there's a Hellraiser movie directed by an Alan Smithy. There's, yeah. like, a bunch of TV movies, episodes of things. Oh, man. But they've retired it pretty much after nerds like us figured out what was going on. Oh, they right. don't use it anymore. And, yeah, yeah, now people just seem to be 
credited by themselves and then just like they just own up to I don't know. their yeah mistakes. or campaign heavily to get a like four hour version of their film put on hbo max mm, yeah mm. seems like a weird move seems a little like a lot more work really but yeah. than just choosing the name alan smithy it seems like it was a pretty good system um mm. be cool to do like a watch of every alan smithy film like just yeah. to see his collected works and see what they're like as a as a collection, you know, probably not great. We're not going to lie, but like well worth well worth looking into. I reckon just as an experiment, yeah. it would be fascinating to watch them all with someone who doesn't know that it's a fake name. <laughs> yeah, and that trying would to figure be great. out like what do you reckon the auth- the you know author authoritarian I don't know why I tried for a word that doesn't exist. <laughs> the dick directorial voice of yeah. Alan Smithy is. This is your like porky pig moment. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to have one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I w- I'd, lo- I'd love to do that. There- there's a show mm. in that for sure. Having someone, yeah. one straight man who has no idea about the Alan Smithy thing and you and I just giggling away the whole time, <laughs> you know, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk uh, about this? Speaking of pretty fun. Yeah. Let's talk about this Let's movie. talk about this mad film, dude. It's, it's this- uh, We've covered off Dune the story, like, pretty mm-hmm. well, obviously. People were like, if you've listened to the previous episode, um, I will be covering, like, most of the story and stuff, like, the beats, the regular stuff, because some things are different, and we are covering mm-hmm. more of the story of the book in this version, obviously. We're covering, effectively, the whole book. Um, mm. But- uh i am mostly focusing on how it differs like and this adaptation differs to the previous uh version that i've watched which is the latest version so 2021's dune um, yes yeah because you you just can't not like yeah yeah we talked about doing this one first but like the experience of watching this after seeing the like delicate seriousness yeah. of 2021's dune it like it clouds it all it's yeah it's got to be done it's a pretty different experience for sure (laughs) and so the uh, the, yeah it's unavoidable that there's going to be um comparisons made so i thought i'd warn you at the top of the show that that's how it's going to be because just that's how we did it you know that's how we watch these films so um but yeah let's get into it eh Um, yeah i would also love to ask you as we meet characters we haven't met in the 2021 year sure and this should have been a segment we pre-prepared, but um, who you'd want to play them in this newest version. Oh, my God. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I'll do my obviously best. David Lynch has cast them so differently as well. Super, so you yeah. can't just say anyone. I'll do my best um, to do that. <laughs> uh, absolutely. There aren't that many, so I feel like I'll be okay. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, you're pretty sweet. Yeah, I think it's like pretty much just fade, actually, now that I think about it. like, <laughs> Anyway, we'll get there. Oh, there's, anyway. there's a couple of other ones. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Opening title. Speak to me. You know what's happening. Um, everything is coming through. Um, we get an intro of like a whole bunch of lore drop right at the start mm-hmm. from none other than the Emperor's daughter, Princess Irulan. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they chose her. Like, seems bizarre to have her as the yeah. as the intro she does a lot of the um like epigraphs and things like that in the in the book so like a lot mm. of the um little uh, uh chapter header secret segments like history of kind of things are written by her so potentially that's the reason that she's giving us this law dump intro because she also does it in the books um 
But anyway, it seems strange because she's just sort of mean mugging, staring down the lens and also fading in and out, like, (laughs) which is an interesting choice. Um, Yeah. I loved the Skucks move of opening a film like this. Like, it's everything I kind of hate about fantasy, but it's owning it so much. Like, yeah, even to the point where she fades out for no reason, fades in, which does (laughs) sync very well with the... um, Guitars kicking in. <laughs> yeah. Because we go into breathe um, over this, yeah. Yeah. And then she outright goes, oh, I forgot, and then <laughs> drops a whole bunch of more lore on you, <laughs> and then disappears, barely to be seen again. The actress called it a glorified cameo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she sort of just does some standing around for the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. other than just staring down the lens and giving you the cliffs notes on Dune. <laughs> She's like, listen, there's this planet Arrakis, Dune, it's a desert planet. This is the year. This is the emperor. Um, There's there's the spice. Uh, What else we got? What else we got? She's me me doing the podcast, basically, Mm. (laughs) but like very condensed. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's it's very good. Uh, But yeah. And then we just from there, she's like, once she says, yes, Dune, desert planet, we launch into the opening credits, which are looking a lot like the opening credits to the movie The Mummy. Um, (laughs) Yes. It's very, very like obviously like Sandy Dunes, but also just in terms of typeface, we've got like like Jumanji jungle (laughs) adventure kind of font (laughs) for no apparent reason. Um, Mm. But yeah, it's it's a good vibe flying over the desert dunes to the intro. Um, Also in the opening credits, big surprise for me, music in this film done by both Toto and Brian Eno. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, really blessing the reins over (laughs) Arrakis. Right? Excuse me? Do you reckon they've ever met before this or again since? I don't know. Uh, Probably at like a festival or something. (laughs) At like Band Aid or something. (laughs) But like other than that, I don't think so. Like Mm. what a wild pairing, first of all, but also just having that pair of bands covering the music for your film also yeah yeah, the music in this film isn't that good (laughs) it's it's really weird um Mm. not not very standout kind of stuff uh so yeah (laughs) i just thought it was wild sorry toto and brian eno (laughs) but you are not on our podcast (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is a Pink Floyd show and we only care about them, okay? You need Mm -hmm. to step aside, friends. Gosh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will- I I am worried that I've already forgotten my own segment. Just going back to the princess. Oh, yeah, true. Who would you want to play her in the newest version? Uh, mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, man. Thinking of- Do you want to hear mine? Well, you, no, you, you go ahead. I'll, I'll come up with something very quickly. Okay. I'm saying Sydney Sweeney. Ooh. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, the oh. um, terrifying teenager from the White Lotus. I reckon she could fill us in on a bunch of lore and, yeah, then go back to scaring people in their 40s. All right. I like that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why my first instinct was this, but it's it's almost definitely wrong as well. 
<laughs> but like, I would want, I would, I would want Kate Blanchett to play her. Oh, just like the Galadriel vibe. <laughs> like they both have this like yeah. sort of eerie blonde motif. And also, I feel like I don't know. She probably would be way too young um, at the time that this was made. But you know. Um, how old would she have been? God. Uh, she was born in 69, so she would be 15. <laughs> uh, Heck yeah. I mean, Actually, probably the right age. Yeah. Just um, all the other actors aren't. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the perfect match for Paul Mordeeb, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Playing matchmaker over here. A young Kate. Get her on there. It's her, like, probably first role. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There we go. Okay. It's just, this game is just see how many actors James can name off the top of his head. Um, the <laughs> yeah, game. this is quite, quite rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We're going to do it. I wish I had a little bit more time to prepare, but we'll get there. Um, anyway, um, we get it. We cut from these opening credits to more exposition report. This time from the Space and Guild, introducing us to the pal- the planets of interest for the story. Um, n- nothing really interesting to report, except that their logo is sick. I love the Space and Guilds logo. <laughs> it's just three yeah. circles conjoined by lines. And I'm like, that is smart. They nailed it. They nailed it in one, you know? <laughs> what a what a good interstellar travel logo. Big fan of that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they're just talking about the, you know, like, the stakes of things, basically, as we go into mm. On the Run. And yeah, we get, we go in on the emperor's homeworld and I'm immediately struck by the, uh, set design in this movie, which is bananas. It's like, everything is extremely <laughs> ornate. Um, mm. as compared to 2021's June, it's like, it's very eighties like set design, but it's just, they've thrown so much money at this. You know, I think they are both kind of going for the same thing, which I'm on board with it's sort of like a mm. old royalty kind of filigree feeling thing but um i don't know i feel like the modern adaptation is a bit more tasteful uh but yeah i i, I think the set design is pretty great especially here in the emperor's palace i'm loving this mm. um yeah it definitely feels very 80s fantasy not very david lynch but no yeah like yeah you can see you can see exactly what they're doing and they're doing it well. It's a comp- competent professionals, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They got they got the A team on this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Emperor's homeworld, home to a guy who is walking twelve bulldogs. <laughs> yes. What's going on with this extra? I've got so many questions about him. <laughs> Are they all Just his? Just follow him. Don't worry about the prophecies <laughs> and everything. I want to know these twelve dogs. Is he just a like futuristic dog walker, or does he own twelve <laughs> bulldogs? I just need to know more. Mm. He's thrown in there ah. just for no reason. A um, lot of good dog actors in, in this right? adaptation of Dune. Um, yeah, very weird. Because <laughs> ah, the Atreides family have constantly got a pug with them yes like, at all times. oh it's so good this pug gets some mm. great cameos i hope oh, this, yeah. i hope this pug got top billing loving him <laughs> there's not been a more solid dog performance since beverly hills chihuahua gareth 
<laughs> yeah. So proud of this lad. Oh. Um, yeah. So the emperor is having a meeting with some representatives of the spacing guild um, who have come here. Uh, the reverend mother gets ushered out of the room um, because she's a scary psychic lady um, mm-hmm. dressed all in black. And, you know, fair enough. It's kind of wild that we actually get to meet the emperor in this um, adaptation of Dune as well. He's just sort of an old dude in a like war veterans kind of outfits. Um, yeah. You know, he, classic emperor vibes. There's not much to report about him really, except he's, yeah, he's what I expected really uh, mm. from this adaptation, but I do like him. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Who would no. you cast as him in 2022 oh. or three or whenever they make the new one? Jeremy Irons. Nice. Nailed it. Immediately. <laughs> Get yeah. him in there. He'd make a great emperor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like oh, sinister. So he doesn't have to do an Italian accent. Oh, no. It's sinister but charismatic is what I want, mm. you know, and that that is the Heck first yeah. name that springs to mind. Um, yeah. Uh, so, mainly based off his, like, recent Watchmen TV series performance. Ooh. I say recent. I seen that. It's pretty good. Um, anyway. Cool. Uh, um, I would cast Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, back for great this time pick. the Emperor. Great <laughs> pick. <laughs> Oh, that that would be yeah, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, they should do that in the actual adaptation, yeah, right? I would love Makes that. So much sense. It really would. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so she gets ushered out of the room, and then <laughs> what should happen, Gareth? <laughs> but in wheeled in to this, the emperor's throne room is an enormous black tomb, <laughs> <laughs> and it's flanked by these dudes who are all dressed in like black bin bags <laughs> and <laughs> one of them looks like an incredibly young bruce willis and he mm. he speaks into a little microphone and his voice is clearly overdubbed and he's like ah yes presenting the spacing guilds <laughs> representative <laughs> um and yeah they open up this big black tomb and who should be in there gareth <laughs> but this what can only be described as a big mutant baby who is <laughs> yeah. floating in there. And he's got, instead of a mouth, he's got a horrible little orifice on the front of his face that serves mm-hmm. dual purpose as his, as his nose and mouth is from what I can tell. Um, yeah. This thing's like a big gross puppet that they made yeah. and I don't like looking at it. And I don't think audiences <laughs> did either. <laughs> no. <laughs> you you were watching this for the first time and just texted me like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew exactly who you were talking about. Yeah. Th- this guy's coming in right after the bulldog guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We are not even five minutes into the movie and they're hitting you with this big baby. And you're like, whoa. Mm. Big baby got me like, whoa, Gareth. <laughs> That's what you always say. It is what I say. That's what the critics were saying at the time. <laughs> Put it on the poster. Um, yeah, crazy. Ah, oh, it's like oh. it's impressive. Like puppet work, it just looks super gross, which is going to be a running theme for this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're not, if you can't handle gross stuff, this ain't your your film. It's, it's pretty. Yeah. It's got a I mean, lot of gross. David Lynch isn't your guy. No. Oh well. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, he does a lot of good gross, you know, but I feel mm. like it's even more so in this. I feel like he was going for the gross out film 
much more so in this work than any of his other that I have seen. Yeah. You know? This is some, there's something about Mary level gross out. Yeah. Yeah. It feels kind of cheap in this movie mm. in a similar kind of way, you know, and that they're just going for like, icky, the same kind of thing yeah. that like a, a kid's magazine would be going for like a, yeah. like a mad magazine. Like, oh, you got covered in goop <laughs> and you're like, oh no, yeah. my day is ruined. That mm. kind of level. <laughs> but you're in. Fact, yeah. Before the prestige actors in this, it is a lot like you've just invited them all to the Kids' Choice Awards yeah, and slammed right? them. <laughs> They're all getting gunged up, yeah. up on stage. That's like what this movie's all about, really. Um, oh, now I understand this film. I didn't, and now I do. It's just an extensive <laughs> cinematic gunging. <laughs> cinematic gunging. What a phrase. Oh. Love that. All right. Um, yeah. I refuse to explain that to any international listeners. Absolutely not. <laughs> a cinematic gunging. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the big space baby wants Paul dead specifically um, because he is a threat. He They can sort of hmm. see the future, the big space babies, because they use the spice, of course, to navigate. Yeah. So they gain a little bit of the spice magic powers, as you do. They're always tripping on the spice in their big tomb tanks. Uh, and so, yeah, they can, they see Paul as a threat and the emperor's like, no, no, no. You mean the Duke, right? And Paul's just a little boy, man. He's only 15, allegedly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. We mean Paul. Uh, so look out for him. And the emperor's like, ah, whatever. And then, yeah, big baby gets wheeled out. And they, he leaves like a bunch of horrible, like water on the ground, <laughs> like mm. residue. I hated that part, especially. Yeah. I guess, I guess, Considering he's in a tank. Yeah, it's right. Like, I guess they had ew. to like wheel this tank out somehow. But mm. like, yeah, they just like slopped some stuff on the floor so that it could go there. It's, a re- it's like weirdly grosser than any other part. It's just this like mm. puddle <laughs> that he leaves behind. I don't know. It weirded me out. <laughs> and we go into time as well as he's as he's leaving uh <laughs> getting all the clocks and time coming in i believe uh is that right no yeah no yeah the vocals and time so that they've been chatting yeah. for a while i don't think the on the run crash synced with anything in that first part nah. as well it's just like them talking just a man talking to a puppet <laughs> you know big crawl vibes um, yeah, who would you cast as as big baby, the big space baby? Uh, I wouldn't be able. I would want it to be a practical effect puppet again, and I would want it mm. to be made by our friend who did the eye and Yoda. He did the Cyclops eye and Krull and the prosthetics there, and he also made puppet Yoda. I want to bring him back and yes. out of retirement, presumably, and get him on. <laughs> on the the modern adaptation to build a big space baby that's all he wants he might have done it like for all we know <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably should have looked into that yeah <laughs> i feel like that would have like you know when you just looking at wikipedia and you can just immediately see something i feel like i would have seen june would have jumped out i was just having one of my many reads of his wikipedia page yeah exactly just a weekly read through um <laughs> yeah anyway from here we hit up uh caladan uh the the home world of the atreides with its ocean waves etc and we've got our main man kyle mclaughlin here uh playing paul i love to see him uh yes from 
like this is where I guess he proved himself to um, old mate David Lynch pre Twin Peaks, right? Like, yeah, because then he was in. Um, I think it's Blue Velvet next, and then I think they started Twin Peaks straight after. So he had yeah. like a solid run of David Lynch hearing. Yeah, and he's great in this. I, I enjoyed him as Paul. Um, clearly not a boy, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but you know. This- the sad thing about Kyle McLaughlin is because he hasn't aged. He still looks amazing yeah. for how old he is. But it doesn't mean any old roles. You're just like, no, no, you're in your 50s. So. Yeah. The Lich's Curse yeah. goes both ways in that, like, you never <laughs> age, but also you never aged. Like, mm. you know, you've always been that age. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, it's the Dorian Gray of cinema. Um, yeah. I will say... Um, his character, I did a little research into him because, um, we've had a lot of sex in the city on in the house. Okay. Um, shout out to, and just like that, the, actually, I don't know if I should give it a shout out. Well, but, um, too late now. I did a bit of research into his sex in the city character. The Wikipedia page sounds like it was written by Carrie from sex in the city. And, like, you know how Wikipedia pages of like, especially TV characters are just like, he did this. He did this. Mm-hmm. He is a man. He is. Whereas this is um, Dr. Trey McDougall, Kyle McLaughlin, is Charlotte's knight in shining armor archetype. It was a fairy tale beginning when Trey's cat screeched <laughs> to a stop in the street to avoid hitting her as she was fleeing a bad date. Charlotte was his dam- was a damsel in distress. He, a knight in a yellow cab. Wow. Yeah. Lovely. Where it's like... I do like that the Wikipedia article reads like a bad romance novel. That is... That's amazing. Like, that's, you know, you're appealing to the target market. That's pretty fun. Mm. Makes it it a good read, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. You know, at least it's entertaining. Where it's like Steve Brady, who must be... Who's a much more, like, characters in a way longer, is just like... Introduced in the second season, oh, Steve what? Brady is a bartender who has an unconventional on-again, off-again relationship with Miranda throughout the remainder of the series. Oh, man. You're like, oh, snore. Man. We need, like, the opposite of a citation needed tag where we can just, <laughs> yeah. like, add more fluff, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Fluff this one out a little bit more on the Wikipedia yeah. page. I want to sweep me away. <laughs> <laughs> I want to swoon my way through Wikipedia. That's all I want, all right? Where's the swoon (laughs) button on the Wikipedia page? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Anyway, he's here uh, looking at a little TV um, full of exposition and plot BS that I don't care about anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a lot of just, like, exposition dump about all this stuff in this movie Mm. it's like i feel like it's handled a lot better in the the modern adaptation but in this one it's just like literally voiceover telling you stuff all the time i guess it's similar in that like paul watches like a little documentary but it's like a hologram and it's at least a little bit entertaining um Mm. this is sort of the same scene so i don't know yeah it also feels like it's not doing as good a job as the book which Explains a lot of things, but also doesn't explain some really big things. So yeah. it's just like, it just lets, kind of trusts you a little more. Yeah. And like the movie definitely, the recent movie definitely trusts you. It's just like, yeah. oh, we mentioned this offhand, you'll remember it. Or like, you know, we know the voice is a big deal because we've seeded it. Whereas this will be like, he's using the voice. That is the voice. Yeah. They'll be like, this is what the voice is. Yeah. Yeah. You You should show this to um, kids to be like, 
this is what we're talking about with show don't tell is yeah. just like this movie is going to tell you everything. <laughs> I'm just going to tell gonna the kids. And you're going to be more confused. I'm just going to tell the kids to watch it and not show it to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seek it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so he's watching this little TV and then who should come in? But a trio of, of <laughs> stalwart souls here. First off, <sighs> we, uh, stage left, we've got bloody Patrick Stewart, Gareth, as Gurney Halleck. <laughs> wild casting i know i thought josh brolin was weird no way that they got topped so much by patrick stewart (laughs) like you have room to cast anyone considering Mm. patrick stewart played him previously right like i get that he's sort of he has got the scottish thing he's got the like warrior bard kind of thing to him Mm. but like patrick stewart is so stoic and so, like, uh, I can't see him as anyone other than either, like, Macbeth or, or Jean-Luc Picard. There's no yeah. other person I can see him as. And I'm really sorry, Patrick, you're an amazing actor and I don't want to diminish your career in any way. But, boy, seeing him playing Gurney. Wow. Woo. Didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, Even down to the, like, the fact, again, they... Don't let him sing a little song. No. So he's got his, gu- his space guitar. Oh my god! Yes. And then he just puts it down and says, "No, never, I'm not never touches it. it again. Abandons yeah. it in that room in the in his introduction scene. His enormous yeah. space ballast. Like it's <laughs> it's ridiculously oversized, and he just puts yeah. it down. And he's just like, "Fuck no!" Oh, I love it. Uh, in the middle, oh. we have Dean Stockwell playing Dr. Wellington UA. A uh, weird, like, kind of a weird casting. This guy is very David Lynchy in his performance, mm. I would say. I feel like it's, like, the most Lynchian casting. And that he, like, walks the line between being very weird and unreadable one scene and then breaking down into tears for no reason the next, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. Also, like, incredibly whitewashed cast in this um, mm. version of the movie. So, take that how you will as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but both of these characters were immediately and <laughs> completely <laughs> overshadowed by the presence <laughs> of Freddie Jones as Thufa mm-hmm. Hawat, who... I had to pause the movie and do a lap because Freddie Jones plays bloody Aeneas in <laughs> Kral. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? How did I not know that he was in this? I guess Freddie Jones yes. isn't actually that big of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd never heard about it. There wasn't like stunt casting. He was just like a deep <laughs> fantasy actor. And mm. of course, he this is a similar kind of role. Also, he plays pretty much just Aeneas. <laughs> in this movie yeah. but he's got big eyebrows and weird stained lips because he's a uh, a mentat yeah i it made me lose my mind seeing him that's on wild eh? i loved it i loved every second of it i can't believe someone would overshadow patrick stewart in my mind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the first time i think he's ever been upstaged <laughs> in his <laughs> life <laughs> yeah uh, he probably showed up on set and was like, 
oh no, they've got Freddie Jones here. They got Freddie here. Oh fuck. Oh. I'm ruined. I've heard rumors about the movie he's working on called Kroll. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna wreck everything. Oh my god. Mm. Love it. Um oh, anyway, he's here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Gurney is here and they do the training sequence here, the like sword fighting training um, immediately as uh, Pink Floyd sing thought I had something more to say <laughs> as we go into the like the breakdown in time, I believe. Um, and yeah, just love that because I'm still gobsmacked about the whole Freddie Jones thing. And so, you know, yeah. it worked for me. Um and they go into this training sequence and you wanted my live reaction to this specifically. I did forget to record it when I was doing it. That's all good. But I, I was still on the floor from Freddie Jones. <laughs> and so I was in a state of like uncontrollable laughter throughout this <laughs> um, because what should happen next? But they turn on their personal shield generators oh, and boy. the visual effect for these turns you into um, a polygonal... <laughs> Gumby like Minecraft, yes. um, like block bodies that cover mm. your whole body. You ba- you basically get covered in rotoscoped cubes made of mm. gold. Um, yeah, it's a terrible visual effect. I don't know who came up with this idea um, that this is how it should be done. All the shields in this movie are like perfectly square for some reason. Yeah. And it's really funny. Uh, it looks awful. <laughs> yeah. like, and also, like, through the gold, you kind of see the people, like, a bit stretched and hazy. Yeah. So, you, like, no one can act properly through these things. No, no. <laughs> like, you, you can't follow the sword fight, like, the actual thing that you want to be seeing <laughs> and these guys have rehearsed. You can't see any of that because you're just seeing two, like, very pixelated, blocky men, like, vibrate mm-hmm. towards each other violently. <laughs> That's kind of it. Yeah. It's like Rock'em Sock'em Robots in real time. It's great. It's like yeah. that That was how the the um, other one was described, right? That was described as yeah. like sort of rock'em sock'em robots. They should have been describing this as that, guys. Come on. Yeah. Look at these blocky boys <laughs> waddling towards each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, this is like rock'em sock'em robots that you'd buy at a weird market. Like this isn't on brand rock'em No. Sock'ems. This is. Yeah. This is oh like. Oh my God. This is fisticuffed automatons. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's like it's all made of wood (laughs) (laughs) as as if someone made a video game and hadn't like started the graphics and just somehow figured out everything but the graphics yeah and just david lynch saw that and was like perfect done yeah yeah he showed we got shown this is like yeah this is where we're gonna do uh we're blocked out where we're gonna do the cgi for the shield generators on these actors and he's like no that's it put it in the film (laughs) yeah (laughs) then we're done here boys (laughs) ship it get me out of making this film i'm done (laughs) (laughs) alan smith is out of (laughs) here oh god Alan Smithy, sorry, right. Um, anyway, I loved it. I loved how awful mm. these things looked. Typically, they, I think they show up like one more time 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they drop these pretty quick. Yeah, because they do look really bad. Um, uh, but anyway, he, they do this this sword fighting thing um, where, you know, they, they hold a knife to each other and it's like, ah, I see you found the mood, etc. And UA gives a quick, um, we go into great gig, great gig in the sky mm. and um, UA gives a quick examination over Paul um, doing a bit more plot chat about stuff and... Then we do a bit more extra training that wasn't in the book or in the other movie. And it's because we've got to face off against this like weird pillar in the scent that gets <laughs> lowered into the room that has a bunch of like spiky implements attached to it that can spin around <laughs> and stick out. Um, pretty funny. Um, and we've got to test the weirding modules, which is a thing that's mm. unique to this adaptation of the movie. Um, these devices, um, amplify the same technology as the voice, um, that we described earlier. So like a powerful, um, tone of voice that can control things and amplify that and weaponize it and shoot out mm. a beam from a gun. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Said audiences Found a way everywhere. to get guns into this famously gun-free yeah, fantasy. Finally, some bloody yeah. gun violent action. It's what we've <laughs> been waiting for, for Dune. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Universally reviled this decision <laughs> to, oh, okay. to put the uh, weirding modules in. And it's like a major plot point. Apparently, this is like the, the secret that the... Um, that the Atreides have been working on, their army mm. that can use the weirding modules. And that's their, like, edge over everybody else. Um, yeah, it's no good. Not a great no. decision for the plot of the film. And also, uh, yeah, just sort of weird ad. I feel like this is almost definitely a studio edition being like, let's make this more like Star Wars, guys. Put us put some space laser guns in it and then we'll sell more seats. Um, you know, at least that's yeah. what it feels like to me. Uh <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's that because I have heard like David Lynch. He didn't like the weirding way kind of being described as like a martial art. So I sure. think he was keen to change it. So maybe he was the one who maybe. was like, well, folks, it's laser beam time. Yeah. <laughs> it just sucks, man. Like the, the whole mm. point of Dune is that it's like so deep into that like religious law. It's very much like a, yeah, like a martial art, right? So they're studying this thing and honing their craft and that's the power. That in, in doing that is the power rather than- mm using a gun <laughs> you know it's just <laughs> a lot less nuanced <laughs> i don't know it's yeah yeah it didn't didn't love the weirding modules also they have to be voice activated it's a voice activated gun and boy that's gonna make for some entertaining fight scenes coming up um <laughs> anyway uh later on paul's uh meeting with duncan idaho um, who, uh, I, Duncan, I don't know who this guy is. It's Rich, <laughs> hey. Richard Jordan is his name. He's just, I, I've never heard of this guy. Uh, yeah, sort of a strange casting as well. He's just sort of like a blonde dude who later on gets shot. Mm. I feel like if in the three hour cut, he obviously has more to do. <laughs> but in, yeah. in this one, yeah, he's just sort of sitting around. Um, but yeah. He's very much like if. You know, Jason Momoa is such a cool person. Yeah. That's perfect for this role. This is like the Duncan Idaho that would like 
tell everyone to be quiet on a school camp. And yeah, go right? To, go sleep in the teacher's tent to make sure he gets a good night's sleep or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we were comparing Duncan Idaho and um, Gurney to a pair of, like, cool uncles that you have. Mm. And, like, when one of them is <laughs> Richard Jordan and the other one is Patrick <laughs> Stewart, like, who's the cool uncle in that scenario? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah. Rough stuff. I'm sorry, Richard. I'm sure you're fine. But, yeah. Yeah. Hard to measure up. Um, and then we go see the Duke. Who is played by Jürgen Proch now? Uh, Prochnor? I don't actually know how yeah. to say his name. Um, as we go into money, uh, and he's having a meeting with young Paul. He's just like a, a big beardy guy. He seems very David mm. Lynchy as well as a casting. In fact, he might actually be in Twin Peaks. I'm not entirely sure. Um, he has that vibe, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Picture him in a plaid shirt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he they have a little chat. Um, he's looking forward to, they're weirdly like looking forward to going to Arrakis and like how it's a new adventure for them rather than it being mm. a massive trap that they're walking into. <laughs> um, pretty much only Gurney's concerned about that in this version. Um, uh, yeah, just starts saying some like very cryptic things. <laughs> uh, the Duke does. He says the sleeper must awaken, uh, which is going to become important later. Uh, <laughs> it's just such a strange thing to throw out there. When you're hanging out with your son. But fair enough. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, later later on still, Paul is having some dreams, which are very David Lynchy. Um, mm. There's a lot of... Uh, there's, there's water imagery that's shot fully in black and white. And we see a shot of Sting <laughs> just saying <laughs> that he's going to kill you, which is always alarming when that happens in my dreams. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah you know that kind of that kind of dream stuff um <laughs> we also see um shani um who is uh what's her name oh god uh sean something shit i can't remember uh, she's the girl from blade runner um like yes, fresh yeah. out of blade runner as well as well i think that this was her movie that she did after that um pretty wild uh, yeah it's interesting because um ridley scott was all set to do this dune and then yeah. he dropped out to do Blade Runner. And then down the line, yeah. old Denny, old Denny gets to do both. Mm. <laughs> Dunk on Ridley Scott. Damn. Got him. Roasted. Yeah. Denny's just coming for all of the 80s hits. When's the Denny, Denny um, Krull coming? That's what's yes. after the Dune adaptation, right? Has to be doing Krull. Gotta be. The, That's the well, test. We can, whether or not you can really do it is if you can do Krull. <laughs> If you can if you can sell a fantasy film if you can do if you can do blade runner that's hard you can do mm. dune that's really hard crawl that's impossible you can't yeah. sell crawl if he can do it i'll lose my mind i'll i will mm. i will devote myself to to denis completely <laughs> he is the messiah <laughs> oh it will uh, be like yeah 10 years from now he does crawl it's like considered a masterpiece like Reinvents sci-fi and fantasy. Finally, it's crawl, and then we notice, like, listens to our podcast suddenly, <laughs> like, shoot out of nowhere, spike like, oh. exponentially. Yeah, <clears throat> and they're like, because he does exactly what we predicted in our oh crawl, my god like, reboot episodes. Yeah, incredible. Just give us the call. <laughs> I'm happy to do storyboards for you, Denis. Just give me the call. Yeah, man. get us on we'll Discord. Play some bandits. 
Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, <laughs> singfloydpod at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it's time for the, riv- uh, the Reverend Mother to visit, who comes down, um, uh, played by Sian, uh, Sian, I don't know, Phillips. Um, and yeah, it comes down for her visit uh, to do the whole pain box test, etc., and she comes to um, Lady Jessica, who we haven't seen up until now, who is another bloody crawl actor, Gareth. <laughs> yes, it's the widow of the web, Francesca Anise. She here, she is. I couldn't believe yeah. that either. I was like, no, we can't have both the widow and an ear. What? Yeah, who famously have their time together right in that movie they got them both both, man i feel like yeah at least david's seen the widow of the web sequence and been like this is Mm. great this is awesome i want to put this in the film you know get (laughs) them very good too (laughs) get them in my dune (laughs) no i've lost it i'm gone uh anyway uh yeah i couldn't believe it i'm so happy to see her face um Mm -hmm. also uh, thing about her and, and Shani as well later on, they have their hair really, really tied up tight. And then mm. as soon as they like lose control, their hair becomes big 80s hair. <laughs> <laughs> both of them. I don't know what that says, that it's both Paul's mother and his love interest that that happens to. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, maybe some kind it of- It kind of joins the other- Dune and having that weird vibe as sort well. Sort of, yeah. But, you know. Strange sort of Oedipus overtones, mm. which we don't like. Um, but anyway. Because, <laughs> like, <clears throat> oh, I don't think we talked about it when we covered the other Dune. There's a lot of scenes where um, Shani's about to say Paul and then it cuts to him waking up and his mum is saying Paul. Mm. And it's like putting those two characters just too close together. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, it must be on purpose. I don't know. It's right for for the move for both movies to be doing it. You know. Mm. Anyway, uh, yes. So we have uh, Francesca is getting stolen, uh, not stolen, scolded by Lady Jessica is being scolded by the Reverend Mother. I should say um, mm. for not adhering to the rules and bearing only only daughters for their whole eugenics plan to build a messiah as they do. You know, trying to. Uh, get the future saved. Um, but yeah, she even says it was very bold of you to, to think you could create the universe's super being. <laughs> I do like that it's described as a super being in this movie. Mm. <laughs> You're trying to make a Superman. Very fun. Yeah. Um, yes. And. Uh, young Paul is listening in on this and she's like, right, I'll see you later. See you in 15 minutes. And, um, yeah, she also says, um, that nothing can be done for Paul's father for, for the father. Nothing is what she says specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, and Paul's like, what the fuck? What does that mean? Um, yeah, not looking good. Referencing, I guess the Duke's unchangeable fate that the Mm. late, that the Bene Gesserit have seen have foreseen um and yeah so we're going into um we've like had the full money solo now and going into um the, the pain box test 
with the the gom jabbar they do get much more explicit in this version about what's going on which i feel like is appropriate honestly i feel like mm. that could have been handled a little bit better in the modern adaptation because that that scene is really really important as to what's actually happening and there's a lot like more there's a lot more to it that i don't think gets is is gotten into in the movie it's it's tricky because it's not really how people talk, right? Being yeah, like, exactly. Being like, this is what's going on. There's a difference between humans and animals, blah, blah, blah. Like, people don't really talk that way. But um, it is important for, like, the background of what's happening in the scene. Because if, if yeah. you're watching, like, I feel like the modern version was just he had his hand in the box, had the horrible pain, and then she got what she needed out of that test and Paul was sort of left none the wiser. Where in... The story, he like understands the truth of what the test was showing, right? Like he gets mm. what the lesson is, but in the movie that doesn't really happen. You don't really get that payoff, you know? So that's one ver- that's one strength that I think this movie has over the other one that I wanted to bring up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, people don't really talk like that, but people also don't really put each other's hands in pain boxes. It's so very I true. Take a little license. Not on the regular anyway. Um, nah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe like. Tw- what twice a month but not that often <laughs> yeah just for a little bit of fun you know mm. <laughs> just to Spice feel something <laughs> yeah. uh you gotta give yourself the reason to recite the litany against fear <laughs> yeah oh gosh um it is also way grosser uh, true to form in this movie mm-hmm. um we actually see paul's hand inside the box like searing and splitting <laughs> and like like letting off horrible smoke it's really gross um not nice watching a hand burn (laughs) um yeah anyway like the 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 more recent adaptation is definitely cleaner and that it gets through the scene faster um but yeah Mm. it doesn't fully cover everything off so i just wanted to say that uh yeah yeah They talk about the water of life um, here as well, which is sort of, it's not referenced at all in the modern adaptation. So I wasn't sure what's going on, but apparently it's used in the creation of new Bene Gesserit people. Um, It's Mm. this something, some kind of excretion from the worms that they drink. And that's what gives them their like powers. It gives them the voice power and also like seeing into the future, et cetera. Um, so it's all tied back to these bloody worms on Arrakis. Yeah, man. All this mysticism stuff. Um, yeah, it's also super gross. Don't drink the worm bile. <laughs> um, yucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You drain that out of the compost. You don't keep it to try to turn your flatmate into a Benny Gizzard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, maybe, though. Be quite helpful. Hey, Susan, I've made you a disgusting coffee. Yes. How do you feel about fear? Yes. Have you? Can you predict the weather, Susan? <laughs> yes. And then she just starts ordering you around and you're like, why did I do this? <laughs> Susan. Susan, no, I've created a Bene Gesserit monster. Oh, gosh. Ordered around the house. Starts breeding the flatmates together to create no. the perfect flatmate. No. Susan. <laughs> oh, Susan. What do you like? Gosh. <laughs> She's wearing all black. She shaved her head. <laughs> yeah. Man. <sighs> Susan's going through some stuff ever since she drank yeah. that worm bile. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
Yeah. So, Paul gets all peeved about his dad potentially dying and then gets ushered out of the room, basically, by the Reverend Mother. She's like, he's like, what, you, what did you mean when you said, when you said, for the father, nothing? He's not going to die. It's not going to happen. Shut up. And then <laughs> the scene just sort of ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we go from here to Gady Prime. Um, Nightmare Hellscape Part 2 uh, here the, as compared to the modern adaptation um, I do we open on a, like an enormous steel baby's mouth <laughs> that yes. is just belching black smoke into the sky <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and there's like a, it's surrounded by this like steel edifice wall of what looks like an enormous <laughs> oil refinery um so sort of equal ground in terms of terrifying <laughs> with hmm. the modern adaptations uh Gady prime um everything's green and black as well in this version um and yeah it's very it's very rough stuff out here it's looking like yeah matrix knockoff uh, in this in this zone I'm enjoying it yeah um, yeah, it's also very um, H.R. Giga, which is interesting because yeah. he obviously was going to design their planet in the failed 70s one. So, it's weird that that little, like, that nugget made it through. Perhaps. Like, <laughs> yeah. One weirdo to another. Yeah, definitely. It just the, the weirdo's nod given across. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Um, anyway, Piter is here. Um, being a little yeah. creepo boy, um, just navigating this like funicular, <laughs> <laughs> going across like the enormous expansive office space of Gady Prime <laughs> to go visit the Baron. Um, yeah, it's, they made a conscious choice with the Mentats to give them all really big hair and big eyebrows. <laughs> Yes, yeah. (laughs) Which is a bit unusual. Um, It makes, like, it's kind of fine on um, old mate Freddie Jones, but on this guy, it looks like (laughs) very weird. Mm -hmm. Piter just looks very manic, which it does work, but he also doesn't match any of his um, Harkonnen comrades at all. You know? (laughs) Um, But fair enough. Uh, Piter makes me deeply uncomfortable in this movie. Yeah. Like... He's played by Brad Dourif, mm. and I realize the reason he makes me so uncomfortable is this is exactly how if they called me up, I would have played the character. Whoa. <laughs> and it's not nice to look into a mirror that's that, you know, that clean. Dang. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no. Like, oh, you take my glasses off and put me in the wig and eyebrows. I mean, it'd be very, very big relief to have big eyebrows for once. Um <laughs> And I would have done the exact same job. Hey, man. Yeah, no one would like it. (laughs) I don't think he's that bad. Oh, my gosh. I feel like someone needs to recite the litany against fear, Gareth. I don't think it's nowhere near as bad as as you are experiencing. Just let that that fear wash over you and learn from it, friend. All right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now I'll nail my audition for this role. Yeah. You'll get there. You'll be the, the Piter that we always dreamed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, it's time to meet the Baron, who he is. Uh, this whole sequence is uh, very bizarre and very awful. Um, mm-hmm. They've chosen 
for the Baron's like undergoing some kind of surgery from people who have had their ears, eyes, and uh, probably not their mouths, but their ears and eyes have been sewn shut. Um, not great. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just chilling in a chair and um, they've chosen for the Baron to be sort of riddled with disease. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's looking like um, I did back when in 2007 um, and that I had really bad acne covering my entire face. Um, oh, no. Yeah, not, no. not a good time. Um, and he's got- uh, We've got to be nicer to ourselves. <laughs> that's the lesson from this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is, uh, throughout this entire movie, he is constantly sweating, um, mm-hmm. and he's a very large man, which, you know, true to the, the story and also the modern adaptation, so all good there. Um, but everyone in the Harkonnen family is ginger-haired, um, mm. as direct relation to the Baron. Interesting choice, um, I guess, like, it makes sense for the whole, like, um, eugenics kind of side of the story, um, that there's this strong, like, genetic lineage going on in this family where everyone is ginger-haired. It's just quite funny to have, like, a group of bad guys that are all ginger-haired, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't expect it. Um, anyway, um, they another aspect of them is that a lot of their, like, lower uh members um the other <laughs> like the unimportant harkonnens or their grunts mm. have the center of their hair shaved down the middle like one strip just shaved <laughs> into mm. the top of their hair which you know is a powerful fashion choice um it's almost a reverse mohawk but they've kept like a little bit of fringe and yeah front. as well yeah it's just that yeah. just it would be really easy to do but yeah. <laughs> Very hard to undo. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah, you're committing to that look. You are. You are you are in Dune solidly for the next like three months at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh that is that's yeah, commitment to the bit. Um mm-hmm. imagine going home each day with that hair. Whew. Yeah. Um anyway. <laughs> um who another the pair of Fade and Raban are coming in to meet with the Baron as well, and they are played by um, uh, Raban is played by Paul Smith, who is just sort of like a another just looks almost exactly like the Baron, except yeah, <laughs> like even larger and bulkier, um, and with less like prosthetics on his face, and Fade is played by Sting, <laughs> which rules. Um, Sting mm. has very little to do in this movie except smile menacingly and deliver bad dialogue. But man, he is loving being here. I feel like yeah. if, if Sting gets interviewed about this movie, I feel like he would have uh, talked about how much he loved it. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it is pretty much he gets to kind of not do much except smirk evilly. And have other characters tell him that he's the shit. Like, yeah, right. That's kind of the whole day. Well, he's the only hot Harkonnen, you know. Yeah. He's the only one that looks like kind of okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he made the conscious choice not to shave a strip down the center of his hair, and we've got yeah. to respect that. <laughs> you know, yeah, huge difference. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Big difference. Um, 
yeah, anyway, they're also uh, brought in here by a completely silent character who ha- he has one line later on in the movie just asking a question of the Baron. But pretty- for this entire scene, he doesn't say anything. Um, and he is assistant to the Baron, uh, this guy. Mm. And he's played by Jack Nance, who is the dude from um, A Razorhead. Uh, so another like oh, yeah. long time David Lynch collaborator, but my God, this dude just looks like a ginger Bill Murray and I cannot get <laughs> over that. He just looks so much like Bill Murray. It freaked me out. Like, <laughs> I couldn't not, I was waiting for him to just come in with the quips, you know, but he never did just stood there with his face. Bill Murray fied, you know, mm. can you see it? Am I going mad? No, I'm seeing it. Yeah. I had to look him up, but I'm seeing it. He just looks- yeah, maybe like not so much um, Bill Murray, like Bill Murray's brother who also acts. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It just, yeah, I couldn't get over it. Couldn't get over just seeing his little face. He was stealing the show for me, even though he doesn't say yeah. anything. In a room with bloody sting in it, all I could look at was mm. this guy. <laughs> oh, amazing. It's it's just Patrick uh, Stewart all over again. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's truly the most deranged scene. Like, oh my god, in any movie, it <laughs> yes. totally is. Yeah, you've got Sting, you've got Boils on the Baron, you've got me. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, you've got yeah. It's also like fake Bill Murray. It's like a completely green room that they're mm. in with like a surgery table for this is happening on. There's just oil dripping from the ceiling through like some kind of yeah. grate. There's like rushing water in the corner of the room and then like fake flowers <laughs> as well. in like yeah. some kind of bizarre terrarium situation. Yeah. It's the, the green looks so much like they forgot to get rid of the green screen as well. Like it's the oh, exact yeah. green screen green, which takes you out of it immediately. <laughs> it's so weird. Mm. Oh my God. Anyway, um, they, they go through the whole plan here. Like we very much like the book does. They just start talking about, oh yes, we're going to do a raid on Arakeen and we're going to take over, kill all the Atreides. We're going to do the whole thing. Um, it's going to be great. Mm. And uh, we go into, I believe, us and them or mm, maybe any color at this point. I don't actually know. I've, I've got, I've got yeah, conflicting any color, at this point. Any color now. Okay. Um, yeah. There is a great bit pr- proving how evil they are and a more. Uh, th- I enjoyed this. Like, let's see how evil these guys are. I enjoyed this <laughs> version of that because Raban crushes a little rat in an, into goo <laughs> inside like a little glass canister and so he can have a wee drink <laughs> like it's his little rat juice box that he has yeah. just such a bizarre little throwaway prop but i do like the little rat mm. drink <laughs> um and in case that wasn't enough to make you realize that these guys are the baddies um we have a truly horrific scene in that the baron mm-hmm. Floats up into the air, um, goes over to that weird grate and coats himself in like gross oil or whatever, um, gets covered in that. Um, and then floats over to a guy who has just entered the room as brought like as replacing the fake flowers and molests slash attacks him um, off screen. And we just sort of see the reactions of other people in the room to this rather than seeing mm. it happen. 
Um, but he rises up covered in this guy's blood on top of being covered in gross oil. And he, we hear his internal dialogue saying, this is what I want to do to the Atreides. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> it's really <laughs> awful. Um, huge criticism of this movie is that it demonizes homosexuality because this is like, the baddies doing a horrible gay rape on this guy. It's truly yeah, awful. That's um, such a good point. Yeah. yeah. Not, not good in 1984 and not good today. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also not a sync with Pink Floyd. So we're going to move no. on. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, because we're to more happier scenes, thankfully, because it's time for mm. the Atreides to move out of um, of their home planet. They're getting on board their big ship, uh, which looks like an enormous almond. Uh, <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, they get on there and they've got a little, their cute little pug dog with them. Yeah. It's, it's Lady Jessica and the Duke and Paul, and they're all sitting in a line inside the big almond with like a uh, Viewmaster screen as the window. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're hanging out with their little pug dog. I want this pug dog to be canon so badly. Mm. What's his deal? Is he part of the lineage? <laughs> I want I'm surprised a- old Frank Herbert's son hasn't written a whole book about the pug dog yet. <laughs> right? Get him in there. Mm. Let him be canon at the very least. He's yeah. a sweet little boy. <laughs> He is. He was probably just hungry for treats the whole movie. He had yeah. no idea. He doesn't know that he's in a like ill-fated eighties attempt to film an unfilmable book. Exactly. He's just sitting on on Carl McLaughlin's lap. I do love as well that he's about to be like folded through space yeah. in this sequence. Oh, incredible. Um Yeah, so all the little space almonds are flying up um to the to the big ship in the sky, which looks like an enormous pencil. Um, and there, which is the, the space and guild transport ship effectively. Mm. Um, and they do fly through the side of it. There's this enormous, like golden ornate gate, which I actually really love. I really like this (laughs) concept of the like docking gate being this like gorgeous, like framed painting (laughs) effectively. I think that's (laughs) really cool. (laughs) You know, that's like, that's some fantasy stuff that I'm on board with. Um, And yeah, however, we're about to get into the folding of space, which is the real good bit, because uh, inside this, this enormous ship, we enter sort of this strange metallic church (laughs) (laughs) interior. And inside here, we've got our friend, the mutant space baby, who we met earlier in his, in his black tomb. And he is floating up. Uh, towards sort of uh, a floating oblong, <laughs> <laughs> uh, glowing oblong uh, out here inside this church. And he shoots some some glowing beams out of his little horrible orifice um, here <laughs> yeah. to uh, visualize the planets, um, the one that they're on and the one that they're going to. And then he does a lot of flying through space. He, like there's space in the background and rippled effects. And it's very, <laughs> very trip out city here mm-hmm. with this little baby flying through space, having a great time. And Pink Floyd sing, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> 
And yeah. Oh, which also, is exactly what he's saying. He's going to see them there once he's folded them there. Yeah. And also the audience is saying, I can't think of anything to say because we get that ad lib <laughs> just before we go into Eclipse. Um, mm. Yeah. Because there's very, like, you saw me describe that. Like, God, <laughs> what? That's on screen. What you just saw? Like, I'm glad that, like, we didn't see any of this. If this is what it takes to describe the folding of space, this little space baby and his beams, <laughs> it wasn't going to be worth it, Denis. I'm glad you cut it. You yeah. know? Oh, my God. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I will say, but, man. when I watched it clean, like, I did a quick kind of rewatch in the background to refresh myself before we recorded. Mm-hmm. It isn't as trippy. It needs the Pink Floyd to really sell what's going on. Toto and Brian Eno drop the ball on this. hundred percent. They are not to... bringing the heat. Yeah. 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 So we thank Pink Floyd for really reminding us how weird cinema can get. <laughs> as always, honestly, that's their, yeah. that's their purpose. Um, and yeah. The, the, the folding of space is complete through this very simple process that I explained perfectly mm-hmm. clearly. And now we are in Arrakis. We're floating above Arrakis. Um, the great space pencil has arrived. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we immediately start flying over those lovely dunes as um, of on Arrakis as we get Eclipse rolling in. It's like we're in the trailer for 2021's Dune, Gareth. Um, yeah. It's great stuff. Um yeah, we get a, a prophecy from the Bene Gesserit representative who's sitting on the planet, like the, the person who's been spreading all the, the good news, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> out here, a missionary. Um, yeah, she's given the prophecy about um, Paul coming, the Messiah, etc. cetera. Uh, it's, it's not nice stuff. Um, and then we get the end of playthrough one. And yeah, the ships are flying in over, over Arakeen here. And yeah, we go. We're going yeah. into through the heartbeats and through the um, the rest of it. Uh, going into speak to me. Um, Duncan reunites with um, the Duke. We didn't realize he was gone, but here he is. It uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just gives a big old feels hug. about the same. <laughs> yeah, more or less the same. But here he is on the planet. He's <laughs> talking talking about how the Fremen. Uh, uh, he's been with it's the same thing as what was going on before he, the freemen are g- going to be valuable allies they exist in vast numbers here on the planet he mm. emphasizes the word vast and says it again <laughs> vast it's <laughs> vast numbers of freemen gareth heaps um and yeah uh we it's just with people are setting up on the planet there's a lot of flag bearers i want to point out in mm. the um and the Atreides army in this movie, I feel like one in every three members of their guard <laughs> is carrying an enormous green flag, uh, which seems a little, you know, <laughs> I guess if you've got all the flags, but. Yeah, someone's got to carry them. Otherwise, they're rugs if they're not <laughs> waving. <laughs> That's true. And no one needs rugs out here on, on Arakeen, mm. you know, it's too much sand. You get sand in all the rugs. It's ridiculous. It's too, too much work, too much maintenance. Um, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, we're getting breathe and like the, the soldiers are grabbing their water rations and old mate um, Thufa is trying to get the shields up, um, which are represented by literal like frames rising up out of the out of the um, city block and mm. and like projecting the big blocky shield 
whenever a thing has to fly through the shield it has its own personal ornate frame open it as well <laughs> which is really funny um yeah it's it's quite good uh and yeah they they are finding all kinds of uh sabotage devices hidden about the palace by the harkonnens and in mm. like prime freddie jones form he just says we're finding these sabotage devices too easily and he does like a double fist slam on the gr- <laughs> on the like architrave. It's so funny. Oh. Uh, he's got so much of a gift, Freddie Jones. He's just like he just is the fantasy man. Like I'm pretty sure that's yeah. who he really is. He just is an ear. <laughs> like oh, he was born to say that line. Mm. Fighting the <laughs> sabotage devices too easily. <laughs> so great. Um and then we get a visit from uh, Dr. Kynes um, now, who is played by Max von Sydow. <laughs> Ridiculous. <Yeah. laughs> My God. Um, I love here. He just like gives this like stoic kind of look. And this is the same one that they use in the credits. They only have one <laughs> Max von Sydow look and yeah. they just use it all the time. And it's great. Um, uh, he shot his scenes and he just wandered off. Yes. So he's playing the traditionally male role of Dr. Kynes here um, mm. as per the book, but uh, the modern adaptation is played by a lady and it's good. Um, and yeah, he's the judge of change and the imperial ecologist, etc. cetera. Um, they're going to go out and look at the spice harvesting operation. And yeah, they go over the still mm. suits uh, here, which honestly don't look that different from the modern adaptation. They still look like kind of weird nah. wetsuits um yeah maybe a little lower budget but honestly it's like they look fine they it's not that hard to tell Mm. um but yeah uh yeah the fans still reckon they should be like beige to be better um camouflage but i think that's reasonable i like them like like this yeah it is kind of weird that they are black Mm. i will admit that's like probably the worst color to be wearing out in the middle of the desert and that you'll just be <laughs> yeah. soaking up so much more heat you know like if you've ever played a game of cricket <laughs> you'll know <laughs> that that there's a reason they wear like all white for their for those games it's just because it <laughs> keeps the heat off guys come on that's just that's just basic physics okay yeah need to account for that even even on arrakis um mm. especially yeah. if you're playing cricket on arrakis oh mate impossible <laughs> sand everywhere <laughs> gosh there is the room for it though so it'd be all right just like yeah. you just can't get the the cricket green <laughs> there's no one <laughs> nowhere to put the stumps gareth <laughs> mm. oh no I know very little about cricket that's my secret no never um <laughs> i was just um stand quiet <laughs> uh yeah um so uh we we go from breathe into on the run and gurney hears this because he's ready to rush everyone off um and move everyone into the ship because we're running out of time and so we take off over on the run and uh yeah we're flying through uh over the dunes on the little little craft that they're in not kind of the little uh yeah Mm. whatever it's i guess it's the ornithopter equivalent but it's just sort of like very nondescript polygonal <laughs> ship um yeah it looks like a like a a, a globe and a 
a triangle have just been merged and that's sort of it. It's not, not very descript. It doesn't really look like anything, mm. you know, um, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and yeah, the, it, them flying over on the run is quite nice flying over the dunes, you know, um, it just, it just some bad CGI of seeing the ship floating along, um, which isn't great. Uh, we cut briefly to see Dr. Yue has been given, um, he's going like cutting up the Harkonnen spies, like surveying their bodies, I guess for more traps. Um, but he's been secreted a little message inside one of the Harkonnens. There's like, we get like an overhead X-ray where he can see there's like a cylinder inside one of these people. It's pretty gross. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's how the Harkonnens be. They communicate through their, like, peons, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, they've left, left instructions for UA. Um, and, yeah, we get the, the crash sound coming back in as we cut back to the ship. The crash sound on the run with the ship just, like, sort of flying overhead, which does kind of work as a sink, honestly. Mm. Just this, like, yeah. loud sort of helicopter sound. Um, coming in with this ship flying overhead. Kind of like that. It's not a crash, but you know. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, they see the worm sign of the worm approaching the old harvester and they report it to the harvester. And who should be inside the harvester? <laughs> but bloody David Lynch himself making a cameo. Yeah. He Why is not? so out of place in this. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Him just being a little harvester man, being like, we can't abandon the spice. <laughs> so funny. I love him. He's even got the same posture and camera angles as his, um, well, folks, it's Friday stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can believe it, we've abandoned <laughs> all the spice. <laughs> oh. oh, so good. Um, uh, but yeah. interesting as well, he's covered in uh, brown dirt. <laughs> yeah. And like... Everything except for his, like, you know, frimini blue eyes. And also to the fact where his trademark white hair is brown. Yeah. Which really flipped me out on time because then I was like, he probably hasn't had white hair the whole time he's been around. No, I feel like but he's yeah. always had white hair since birth. A hundred percent. Yeah. Came out with a shock of white. <laughs> Just, yeah. And the, yeah, who's born. And they were like, you're going to make Dune. <laughs> Child. <laughs> you were born. There is a prophecy. <laughs> He's like, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he came out of the womb, immediately spoiled for Twin Peaks. Yeah. Did a big spoiler in Twin Peaks and his hair just turned white. Yeah. Demanded a pair yeah. of sunglasses to cover up his his poor little eyes. They were shocked mm. by the bright lights, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then he was just a cool little baby, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where's baby oh. David Lynch? Baby genius David Lynch? Bring that <laughs> David back. Lynch babies? Like, <laughs> like tiny tunes? Oh, my God. Oh. Fantastic. And we do, oh, a wazer head. <laughs> the heffalump man. Oh, wow. <laughs> the heffalump man. Oh, you're too good. Too good. Yes. Mahalad crawl? Not as good. Yeah, yeah. Babies can't drive. No, they can't. You're right. It's illegal. Uh, 
But yeah, it is very weird seeing him covered in dirt, um, I will admit. Yeah. I bet he hated it. Like, it probably, yeah. I can't imagine him that he's ever touched dirt in his life. So, no, of course it's, not. It's pretty impressive. Um, but anyway, um, yes, Harkonnens have stolen the carryall. So, uh, they aren't able to escape. A bit more of a sort of muddied reasoning here. It's just the Harkonnens have, have done it. They've, they've bloody stopped them. So they're fucked out here. So they have mm. to save. They have to save all the boys. Get them on board. Um, Paul has a wee sniff of the spice as it enters the the room. He doesn't go out in this one, um, so there's less drama. But he's just sort of mm. sitting in the cockpit and yeah, just smells the the fresh air for the first time, and has a very quick vision. We just get a flash of white on screen and we don't actually see anything. So unclear if like he actually does see all the stuff, all the crazy stuff. Mm. Um, but you know he's had dreams and visions before, so you know. And later on he'll have a waking dream, so I guess that there yeah. is an effect, but it's sort of unclear as to what happens here. Um, the harvester itself, which looks okay by the way, the harvester I like mm. quite like the design. It sort of looks like a big kind of like crab crawler with big wheels on it. Um, it's also like done in miniature, which I think looks quite good. I, I like when they do yes. practical effects like this in films as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of miniatures and practicals in this. Yeah. Um, one scene is, and I wish I could remember which one, is done by the miniature being very, very close to the camera. And then there's like a window or a hole in the miniature and then they're acting far away to look mm. like they're within this thing. That's pretty cool. Which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's sweet, man. Mm. Oh, I can't wait to get that. Um, and, yeah, it, it gets eaten by the worms who also, I think, look really great in this. Uh, they yeah, are also, I like these worms. They're also, like, big puppet kind of things. Um, but, yeah, again, very true to, like, the book illustrations. Um, they're, like, they have the, like, trifold kind of mouths and, uh, like, a, an inner mouth within that has all the teeth lining it. Um, yeah, they're sort of more traditional as opposed to the modern adaptation, which is just sort of a big round more. Um, they have these, these like layered mouths, um, but mm. they look, they look really good. Um, and yeah, it coming out of the sand and eating the harvester is a pretty great looking practical effect. It like, it looks very yeah. like, it looks a little Thunderbirdsy, but I did like it, you know, <laughs> like, it, it always is going to kind of look that way, but you know, it's fun. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Kynes says that he's like, hasn't a very brief, there's like, I do like that. They keep the internal monologues in this movie because he has a brief, yeah. like internal <laughs> monologue. Uh, well, like it's truer to the book. It's not good. Like as a filmmaking <laughs> technique, it's kind of weird. Um, but you know, there is a lot of that in the book where you see like, oh, this is what this person is thinking, you know? Um, but yeah, so it, it is truer to the book, but like, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's what I would say. But anyway, he has an internal monologue saying that he's impressed with the Duke and, uh, yeah, he values his men over the spice harvesting. But again, this doesn't really go yeah. anywhere. Kynes just sort of disappears from the film <laughs> from here on. He was just here for this and that's it. He's got no further role yeah. to play. Um, so shout out to you, Kynes. See you later. Um, not even getting <laughs> you back for the credits. Uh, 
<laughs> we go from here into Times Solo um, as we're looking oh, yeah. over um, the Arakean Great Hall. Um, I didn't mention this earlier as well, but there's these, um, I think my favorite difference in this movie are these, like, the drift globes that they have. So, oh yeah, like, one of the first, like, I think the opening line of Dune is you see the, um, one of the opening lines, you, you meet Paul and he's got this, like, hovering globe of light or something or hovering light next to him and the way that they do these in the different versions is really interesting like in the modern version Mm. it's just sort of this like enormous it's like a big wheel that floats around but in this one it's like a a long uh light that is is suspended and has these golden wings around it Mm. um and they just sort of float along and i think they look really cool (laughs) you know yeah i like them both to be honest i think they're awesome yeah i just they they were on um caladan as well but i I forgot to mention them there but there's a pair of them here and they look pretty great i'm I'm kind of on board Mm. they're very opulent obviously because we're in the palace yeah so um but yeah i think i think they're both pretty sweet designs um you can pick them both up at your local ikea i think (laughs) these days so yeah of course yeah you just get your get your drift globe um just choose the design you prefer <laughs> um these ones are a little more showy i think but that's mm, fine yeah not quite the ikea kind of look but, no you know. uh, but you do have to build it yourself when you call it in. yeah <laughs> that, that's the hard bit um but yeah it's time ty- uh jessica's choosing their <coughs> house servant and we get shut up mapes appearing in the lineup yeah um who is she played by um she linda hunt that's who it is uh who is another longtime collaborator with old mate david lynch she's bloody terrifying yeah. in this as well <laughs> um just, like brings a very like dark energy to mapes yeah. um, <laughs> like she's very very small we give a lot of shout outs on the yeah. show but no shout outs. To no shout out mapes. That is true. Not enough. Um, shout outs Sorry, to I've, you. Shout out. I've had that in the back pocket since last episode. Shout out mapes. <laughs> I've derailed <laughs> you for it. No, it's great. It's very good. Um, also, UA is here doing like a, a scan of them. He's got like a weird little scan gun that yeah. he's using to check these guys out, seeing if they're carrying any hidden weapons or something or tampering by the Harkonnens. And, um, yeah, we also get him talking about his wife, which is a scene from the book that isn't in the modern adaptation as Mm. well. Just a little bit of like pathos for UA really here. Um, yeah, where Jessica's like reading in his face that he's holding something back, but interprets it as grief for his wife rather Mm. than the secret that he has, you know, because he is speaking the truth. He constantly speaks the truth. Um, but like, omits it's he's omitting the tr- he's omitting the true truth you see you know he's not lying he's omitting the truth is what i'm trying to say yeah there we go got there um <laughs> but yeah uh we go home home again now i like to be there where i can because um paul is just uh he goes he's back home after the strange thing and he tries a little bit more of the spice i think he's got like a sort of like rack of cigars or something i don't know what this thing is but it's full of like spice candy or something and he has some and he just goes on a wee trip uh we get some some strange trip imagery where we see the second moon 
and he hears the sleeper must awaken again, his dad's words. Um, yeah, weird stuff. Mm. And yeah, we go into a uh, great gig for the second time and we get the, the hunter seeker coming in to get him, um, which in this version is just like a floating needle and which looks like it, like, I don't know. It looks really weird. Uh, yeah, it does. It does look like kind of it moves like very mechanically and unnaturally and that it's just sort of rotates on an axis in the air rather than like the other the modern adaptation is very elegant it looks like a little Mm. like insect or something flying around where this like looks like an actual like robot or something that is being remote controlled you know um yeah i found it weirdly more threatening um (laughs) this like weird floating needle um because yeah it just seems so unnatural um anyway yeah he saves saves mapes from getting stabbed by this thing and in payment she warns him that there is a traitor in their midst oh Oh, um but yeah they don't know who it is um and they seek out the harkonnen spy who is uh, hidden in a little tunnel in this one rather than in the wall. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) we see him as we get the, the like tempo, not tempo change, the like slower, sad part of the great gig vocal, which like really made me feel for this guy, (laughs) (laughs) this little remote drone pilot. I was like, Oh, he's dead. (laughs) I felt really bad. (laughs) Just thanks. Ben Floyd. (laughs) I don't know who he is. (laughs) Well, I guess in this one, the other Harkonnens who aren't the main three, plus Bill Murray's fake brother, yeah. do, like, you feel worse for them. You feel like they're having a bad time. Oh, yeah. The ones in the recent one, you're just like, oh, no, they're all wild. Yeah. That makes yeah. it- I get, like, both both versions, it makes sense why they are so fucked up, because their home planets yeah. are so <laughs> horrible. But, like- yeah, mm. in, in the modern one, you're like, oh, yeah, these guys are all bastards because they live in this horrible <laughs> nightmare world. But these guys are just like have a level of weirdness that it's like, man, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just sort of it's more revolting, I would say. Mm. Um, yeah, which quickly like is cousins with pity. So you quickly feel yeah, bad for them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's you're more uncomfortable oh, um, rather than like scared of these guys. Mm. You know, you're like, oh, I just don't want to be around them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we get uh, the meeting now. There's like, they're going over some some stuff. Thufa is talking about how like great the, the defenses of the city are. He also is looking into this weird little TV and doing very strange, quick calculations. Just classic Mentat yeah. things. Um, but it's shining a bright light, like, right onto his face throughout the whole <laughs> sequence, which is really, really funny. Um, just seeing old Freddie Jones just lit up with his big eyebrows. <laughs> what a guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, talking about how impenetrable the defenses are and everything that they have in place, of course, means that it's time for the Harkins to break in and destroy <laughs> all of those things immediately. Um, of course. Yeah. So they're coming in in their weird like pillbox looking ships and uh, UA is like skulking about in the shadows. We see like a silhouette of his weird hair uh, (laughs) projected onto the wall um, and Mapes like is also skulking about trying to find what is going on. And um, yeah, she gets killed off screen, which is pretty rough. Um, 
or like at least poisoned. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> the Duke goes to like visit Paul very briefly and he's like, ah, sleep well, my son, <laughs> and then just leaves the room, <laughs> which is such a bizarre thing for him to do, but it's fine. And Paul yeah. tries to um, call out to him being like, no, father, drugged. He's been drugged. <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. Such a bad way of doing that scene. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. Paul, Paul's been drugged. He can't help. Um, but yeah, uh, so the Duke's, uh, we get like the Duke wandering around and we have his internal monologue talking about how he should have married Jessica. And he discovers Mape's body writhing on the ground um, who cannot speak as to what has been going on and she dies horribly. It's no good. Mm-hmm. Very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he gets shot by the poison dart that is fired by, of course, of course UA, um, the betrayer out here, who has taken the shields down for the attack on Arakeen. Very scary stuff. Um, uh. He's also destroyed the weirding modules, Gareth. And for that reason, he's the hero of the film. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, everyone loves him for that. Yeah, I love him for that. Um, but never mind. <laughs> uh, they'll build more. It's fine. They're very easy to make. <laughs> Weirding modules. Mm. <laughs> you can build them in the middle of the desert. Um, and anyway, this is his weird plan to get close enough to the Baron to kill him. He's going to use give uh, the Duke his poison tooth. That he can spew a poison gas on the Baron and kill him. Don't know why he couldn't just do this himself because he's going to meet with the Baron shortly, but fine. Yeah. Guess he hasn't, doesn't, he isn't sure he can get close enough to him without being killed. I don't know. Not clear. He gets like within five feet of him. So seems like <laughs> it'd probably be enough, but whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, he probably, I guess, has the hubris to think that, like, he'll be able to escape with his wife. Um, but, yeah, That's a good point, yeah. maybe not. Um, he still hasn't given up that hope, maybe. Um, in return for this killing of the Baron, um, UA will save Paul and Jessica from the attack and ensure their safety. And he takes the signet ring from the Duke and it's, like, for Paul here. So that's all the same. Um, there is also a really really gross zoom in on ua's mouth of him just mouthing (laughs) the tooth the tooth over again it's it's really weird he's got like a strange little pencil mustache um (laughs) and yeah i don't like looking at his mouth i wish i didn't have to but i did um and the tooth mouths quite a lot like fuck you so yeah (laughs) i'm 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 offended yeah that's all we were seeing. Like, if the subtitles mm. weren't there, we'd be screwed. We'd be like, Yue, please. Yeah. He's already dead. Excuse you don't me, need sir. to be mouthing yeah. fuck you at him. God. Um, so, yeah, we get into the money solo, which is rocking away. And mm. uh, we're having the big battle on Arakine. Lots of explosions, lots of, lots of lasers Lots. being fired. And roaming through the halls is our friend, the little pug dog. <laughs> 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 having a grand time. He's loving it. It's, it's, it's just like dodging all these explosions full of happiness. 
And let's, we see Gurney rush out onto the battlefield and he's got the dog in his arms. <laughs> yeah. It's so, I didn't catch this until my most recent watch. I didn't realize that he was holding the dog and a rifle and he's just like, long live Duke Leto, <laughs> <laughs> which is just so funny. Just Patrick yeah. Stewart holding a pug and a gun. <laughs> Where's that oh. portrait? Yeah, I'll have that in my recording studio for sure. Hell yeah. Inspiring <laughs> stuff. Um so yeah, they lots of lots of fighting and uh poor Paul and um Jessica have been capt- captured blech, captured by the Harkonnens and um Harkonnens themselves have a weird habit of being getting really gross and close to their captives Mm. like the baron comes in and gloats over lady jessica and spits on her face for no reason which i hate um and then uh she's also left with um piter who is like leaning in real close to her and being real creepy and talking about how she should be eaten by a worm (laughs) it's like (laughs) oh these guys they're just they're just no good get them out of here no one likes them um yeah, Bill Murray gets ordered to take the captives into the desert and, uh, yeah, feed them to the worm. And um, Duncan also tries to, like, spring into battle to save them, but is instantly killed, like, yeah. through his shield. Like, he just gets murked immediately. Like, in the modern version, he has so much more to do. And here he's just like, <laughs> aha, and then gets killed. It's like, oh, okay, see ya. Um, yeah, so he's the only other user of the of the big blocky shields in the movie as well. Mm. And immediately they are defeated by a slow-moving dart. So, there you go. All done. Yeah, just uh, so much lamer. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Yue goes to meet with the Baron and obviously gets tricked. Uh, he is like, uh, the Baron's going like, ah, oh, you wish to join your wife, eh? You wish to join her, then join her! And yeah, he gets stabbed in the back, literally, um, by mm. Piter, uh, and goes down, and he, like, as he's dying, he's saying, you think you've defeated me? <laughs> and then he dies, which is very weird. <laughs> Last words for you, eh? But that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. We did... Like as it's all as is about to die, we get an amazing homonym sync where Ooh. Um, Pink Floyd sing "It's a Crime" and Ua mm. cr- is crying. So oh. I, think I think it's barely even a homonym, but I love it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah, he mm. is. He, there's a bit where he's just sort of crying in a room. That I forgot to mention. Yeah. It's so weird. Why is he doing that? <laughs> like, I get, I get that it's a horrible situation, but like, it just doesn't. He hasn't had shown basically any emotion for the rest of this film. Um, yeah. He's just sort of sitting in a room and has been told to cry. Is sort of the vibe. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, anyway, um, uh, Jessica and Paul are being escorted to the desert by a pair of Harkonnens. One of them looks a lot like either Fred or George Durs- uh, George Weasley. Um, mm-hmm. Not Dursley. Fred or George Weasley. Um, and Except with a strip shaved into his head. Um, and yeah, they're just joking to each other, being gross, wanting to feel up Jessica. Don't like that. And mm-hmm. Paul uses the voice to stop them. 
and instructs the uh, old Fred Dur- Fred Dursley Fred Jesus Fred Weasley <laughs> to remove Jessica's gag, and he does so. Uh, and yeah, d- using the voice much uh, to escape here, um, and yeah, gets the Harkins to kill each other. And then yeah, Paul takes him out with a swift roundhouse kick from the floor. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, like that. Um, he desperately uh, jumps up to try and like not crash the craft that they're in. And he also says, oh, my God, which is like seems like a really weird anachronism. But no, they do mm. this again later on. Um, I, I, like, I think um, Stilgar says, like, the likes of which God has never seen. So maybe God is just a thing that these guys believe in. I don't know. Seems weird to yeah. say, oh, my God in a space movie doesn't seem right to me no exactly i mean i guess oh it's well it's only been eight thousand years since now maybe that stuck right. around i guess so yeah. no maybe they cut out all the scenes where they go to church every sunday yeah maybe the big space mm. baby church where they do the navigation <laughs> that's probably why they don't go it's because there's a big like mutant baby shooting beams in there yeah true that's why yeah. I stopped going to my local church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sunday school got weird. Uh, anyway. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the Baron comes over to gloat over the Duke, um, over the short, sharp shock uh, spoken word portion of, um, I believe, us and them. Yeah. And uh yeah they're arguing about how the duke doesn't have the signet ring so that's like a massive oversight Mm. because apparently that's proof of like ownership of their fief and the house of of atreides if you have the ring you basically control their their power or their holdings right it's the representation Mm. of that so that's bad um and in his delirium, the the Duke confuses Piter with um, the Baron. Their faces sort of merge together and he ends up blasting his poison tooth uh, breath mm, straight into Piter's face, um, taking him out instead. Uh, yeah, which I don't know, is, was, a, was a funny part of the modern version, um, having the Baron clinging to the ceiling so we don't get to see that. Yeah. Uh, but that's it fun. feels a lot like sadder that it's just like, oh, this was entirely because it's built up a little more that this was UA's whole real plan. Yeah, like, it was the only way he could actually picture killing the Baron and it involved, you know, betraying his entire kingdom. And yeah. then for it to just kind of like, oh, whoopsie doopsie, wrong guy. Yeah. Just fail yeah, by it- pure chance. And mm. yeah, just sucks. Yeah. The, yeah. the Baron also, like, celebrates in the dumbest way imaginable. He just flies into <laughs> the neighboring room, just starts floating around screaming, I'm alive, over and over <laughs> and over again, and nothing else. It's like, okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah, so um, are we. That's how come you're in our room? Yeah, it's, it, I guess so. Sure. Um, also, as soon as the, the Duke dies, Paul and Jessica, like, both sense it. And um, mm. Jessica, like, breaks down. Um, her hair is down at this point, uh, notably. Yeah. So, you know she's sad. You know she's sad. She's lost mm. control. Hair is like the a facade smile. has dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, they crash land out into the open dunes of Arrakis. 
and yeah they get out there very quickly as we go into any color you like um there's a very weird bit which i don't really understand what's going on where paul like after his father's death he says where are my feelings i feel for no one mm. and um i don't really know what that means like maybe he's just like expecting himself to grieve more or i don't know um yeah it's pretty much that so in the book it's like it's kind of a big deal that he's like oh i don't feel anything i don't feel anything and then he reaches the point where he's like oh right. now i feel it it's just kind of like a weird kind of it's a clunkier way of doing it where it's just like ah. Oh, there's no time for me to feel this yet. I have to, you know, survive. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it feels very like David Lynch. Not quite yeah. sure how humans talk. So he's like, yeah, where are my feelings? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. He does look up, my the, David up at the moon as well here, mm. which, is, which is good for us. <laughs> yeah. Except when we look at the dark side of the moon, we feel all kinds of feelings. So, yeah, you know, op- opposite <laughs> of our experience. <laughs> so true oh my gosh um but yeah uh he weirdly has like um a vision of the the spacing guild here he like sees the 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 random plebs or bruce willis walking around and um mm. wishing for his death <laughs> like back to the old meeting as well he sees that and he's like oh weird like I guess they they want to kill me and then he also sees his father's face being torn open and the poison gas <laughs> spewing from it it's gross um and then cut from that to sting's face laughing at you and um he, we see uh lady jessica in pain and a really gro- really gross image of a fetus didn't like that at all um yeah no good um and also uh, a big pool of water once more, a black and white pool of water and a big palm facing him and the sleeper must awaken. It's all the same stuff hitting you again, basically, yeah. except with a few more gross things thrown in for good measure. <laughs> Just a classic vision out here. Um, he also uh, senses that they will call me Maud Deeb um, mm. as part of this vision. He's seen like a huge amount of the future with this waking dream because of the high spice exposure out here. And um, yeah, is looking at the signet ring uh, when he says this, he like weirdly yells at his mother um, saying like blaming her for bringing him here and saying like, you knew that the spice would do this to me, would change me. And she's like, what the Jesus, (laughs) leave me alone. Um, Damn 15 year old who looks 40. (laughs) Looks 25 at least. (laughs) Um, And yeah, uh, he will. um, He also senses that um, she is uh, pregnant with his sister Mm. at this point as well. Um, And yeah, they he screams up at the moon for his father, uh, promising vengeance and promising that uh the sleeper will awaken so there you go another prophecy there you laying it on he heard it Mm -hmm. in his dream and he's gonna do it um we go into brain damage and uh we see raban has captured uh liet kynes who's just gonna leave him in the desert to die so um yeah he's like rips up his still suit and he's like send him into the desert ha 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 i'm raban i'm a bastard and like (laughs) 
Yeah. That's it. We didn't. We never see Liet Kynes again. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it worked. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we also see that he goes over to like a little cell and Thufa's in there. They've captured him. Um, so he's locked up, uh, getting mm. going to be taken to Gady Prime. Um, UA's left Paul and Jessica the plans for the weirding modules. He's left them a bunch of shit in this version. Yeah. He gives them like a thumper. He gives them the these weirding module plans, the still suits. He gives them everything they could possibly need out here. Um and yeah, they just they just have a thumper, which kind of threw me. Um and yeah, they set out across the desert. Um, walk without rhythm and you won't attract the worm um, as you do and yeah they sort but they sort of just walk normally <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really work and they immediately attract the worm they don't they didn't learn their own lesson the worm attack here is a bit weird doesn't really work um it's very like Doctor Who feeling and that this yes. this big old worm is just bashing his face up against these big rocks and then <laughs> part of the rock comes loose and Paul like slides down a very clearly carved slide <laughs> in the rock. Um, and yeah, is dodging polystyrene rocks. All very Krull feeling. Yeah. You know, as well. Um, yeah, very funny. Very low budget. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, it's just very silly. This big worm attacking them. Um, and then... Yeah, it gets drawn off by a, a a thumper in the distance, and this happens right at the end of our second playthrough. And the thumper itself is playing over the heartbeats, so yes. that's a sync. Yeah, we got the heartbeats yeah. between plays being the thumper. Pretty happy about that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's what we were uh, promised with the other one, but they didn't deliver. Lynch exactly. was delivering the whole time. He had it. He had it in this one already. So that's why it was like, "Wow, we can't have mm. that sync this time." That's what Denis was thinking. <laughs> yeah, you know? of course. Yeah, because everyone everyone watches the previous adaptations and syncs them with Pink Floyd before <laughs> doing it. It's all part of the process. Um, yeah, it's Hollywood's uh, number one role. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it is. Uh, mm. Going to play through three, baby. Here we go. Third third playthrough. Um, as they're heading through the caverns, um, finding some carved steps out here, signs of life. And they just walk in on the bloody whole Freeman population, just sort of standing mm. creepily in the darkness, uh, staring them down silently. Um, didn't like that. Um, Stilgar's here, who just looks like um, one of your dad's friends at a barbecue. That's um, <laughs> how I would describe him. Potentially yeah, old Colwyn um <laughs> maybe i don't know um that's the vibe though um and jessica immediately pulls a knife on him uh proving that she shouldn't be killed and they're like ah you've proven yourself to be 10 times your worth than your water weight etc um and guarantees their safety if she will teach them in the weirding way um mm. again this is like the way of the voice etc um and yeah, and uh, yes, she agrees. She says, I will give you my word bond, which is something I want to start saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. 
and also Shani is here. Um, who is the daughter of Liet Kynes? Huge reveal in this. Mm. We didn't know this. This is going to be a huge shocker, presumably, in the next part of Dune that, <laughs> that I've now seen. Um, but yeah, Shani's out here. Um, or we've introduced her before, played by Sean something that I can't remember her last name. <laughs> yeah. It feels so bad. Um, it's not Sean the Sheep. That, that we know. No. They're definitely yeah. not. Um, uh, Paul falls in love with her instantly, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, you can see why. She's got her hair in a very tight bun. Um, mm. Looking great out here with her glowing blue eyes. Um, uh, they immediately- go- <laughs> it's, It feels like they had to do this, but they're, like, uh, renaming all the characters here. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, we will call you Usul, and you get to choose a name for yourself. And he's like, well- what is the mouse shadow in the second moon? And they say, ah, that we call that Mordeeb. And he's like, well, then I'll be Paul Mordeeb. Um, and also Jessica gets another name that I didn't write down. But it feels like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels like they just read the book and they were just like, oh, yeah, we've got to include all this. So we'll just put these names here and that'll be it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's very silly. Uh, but yeah, mm. this is where the um, the modern movie ends, right here, basically. Yes. Um, but we've got a lot more to cover, uh, right? And it's very worrying um, watching this and knowing, like, oh, so it took them an hour and a half to get what the modern movie took, like, yeah, two and a bit hours. So it's not speeding through it, and there's only like a small-ish chunk of the movie to go where they're going to cover. A lot. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is when I started losing faith in this movie. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This might actually just kind of rush through. Yeah. And it sure kind of does. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, they get um, immediately a lead underground to um, their, their, like, civilization down here. A cache of water. A huge amount of water has been pulled here um, and been gathered by wind traps. Um, and this is the like the secret treasure of the Fremen out here where they've been collecting this water and they plan mm. to um, use this water to effectively change the climate of Arrakis. Um, unclear as to how some kind of environmental technology that we are not that isn't talked about. Mm-hmm. But they haven't a shitload of water down here. Uh, so they're yeah. going to do something with it. Um, at least make a big lake. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, we see <laughs> this is also where we get um, the like the callback here. Paul's been having this dream repeated where um, Shani says, tell me of your homeworld, Usul. And um He's seen it multiple times and now she says it for real in real life. And he doesn't bloody answer her. He just sort of, (laughs) he just sort of like weirds out at the fact that this was part of his vision. And he's been, mate, you've had ages to prepare a good thing to say. (laughs) And you just say nothing. Come on. (laughs) I was very frustrated by this. I was backseat dating over here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Unreal. Unreal, Paul. You got no game. Um, mm. Anyway. <laughs> uh, 
So back at the palace, there's a bit of weird shit going on with the Harkonnens. The Baron is just sort of flying around a chamber that uh, is filled with steam being operated by Bill Murray's brother, who's just sort of doing something. We don't really know. (laughs) Some sort of space accordion is operating the steam room. And yeah, the Baron's just rotating around, laughing his head (laughs) off. Um, Raban enters and nearby a cow is suspended upside down with a couple mm. of, fr- couple of, uh, like minions, like prodding it with like little, I don't know, tasers. <laughs> I don't know what is going on there. Um, but yeah, he grabs like a weird, like chunk of it and starts eating it because he's gross. And yeah, they go, it goes over to, uh, the Baron. Uh, who leaves him in charge of Arrakis um, and in charge of the spice production and laughs his head off. So gross. Like, Raban's mm. just, like, eating this, like, piece of cow the whole time. <laughs> and just as l- they're both laughing. He's, like, spitting bits of cow into his face. It's so- it's disgusting. <laughs> I hate yeah. this. Um, and then- uh, the Baron like stops his floating around and who should emerge from the steam chamber, but it's bloody fade uh, sting. It comes out and he's fully nude except for a molded pair of underwear. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Sting looking real good. He's looking ripped mm. um, in this. Uh, my God, dude. Uh, but <laughs> whew, uh, a bit weird. <laughs> They're like, strange like metallic eagle underwear is a little bit much um yeah and just the fact the baron was just scooting around yeah his, like steamy nephew is just so strange <laughs> so weird like dude. you just didn't think you were going to get that while you were listening to pink floyd's on the run no you super did not <laughs> mm. and then we get um the crash sound and on the run um happens Hmm. as sting just gives this look to camera i described it earlier as the dreamworks eyebrow or the people's eyebrow (laughs) where he just raises one eyebrow and stares down the lens grinning (laughs) it's so weird uh but that's our sync for play through three on the crash sound Uh, oh yeah very good um jessica who would you cast as this guy by the way it's fade oh god um man that's really tough oh no it's not tough i know exactly who (laughs) i would cast it needs to be some kind of popular uh like rock star singer entertainer Mm -hmm. i want justin bieber in the role (gasps) get him in there yeah that's perfect right because i've been thinking like (laughs) who's someone that would fit in in the harkonnens but also like you know as charming and good looking and everything and it's gotta be yeah the beebs the beebs wow the perfect yeah. foil to timothy charlemagne <laughs> that is wow that is so good <laughs> oh. incredible i can't wait yeah. can't wait for that casting <laughs> to be manifested into reality who would have you cast mm-hmm. well it depends because like in the book he starts playing Raban against him it's like trying to win the mm. people over but it's kind of dropped um so when that was happening i was like oh my god they're gonna cast the rock and it's gonna be a surprise casting <laughs> and it's gonna be the rock as his favorite nephew incredible yeah but um 
Yeah, I, I mean, I can't beat the babes. I was thinking, like, maybe someone who's also, like, got that kind of hype around them the same way as Timothy Chalamet, mm. like, whoever the evil Chalamet might be. So maybe, like, mm. Lucas Hedges, who was the other love interest in Lady Bird. <laughs> but he would not... He's, like, such a, like, nice little charming guy. He would not suit hanging out with, like, Aurelio no. Stalinaz Skarsgård. <laughs> Oh, can you imagine? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That'd be they a just very cast, awkward They just room. dress him like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> He's standing next to, like, Piter. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> just in a, like, oh, polo amazing. shirt and some <laughs> shorts. No, give me, give me dark <laughs> beeps. That's what I want. Yeah. Evil Bieber. <laughs> the heel <sighs> turn. Oh, incredible. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, anyway, uh, so Jessica very suddenly has to become the new reverend mother on Arrakis because the old one is dying. Um, Mm -hmm. so like we haven't even, we get to the clock sound as she is drinking the water of life. So like between (laughs) very little time is explained, is gone into explaining that she has to become the reverend mother. Um, I imagine it's more drawn out, but yeah, she has to drink the like blue stuff. And uh, has a horrible vision, um, as you can expect from that. And the re- old Rutherford mother dies, and her unborn, her child inside her is born early, um, mm. and both of them share the special powers of the Bene Gesserit um, Reverend Mother. Presumably because she was pregnant at the time of becoming the river yeah. mother and having this weird drug ingested into her. Um, unclear. But um, also part of this, that child is going to age so fast and be <laughs> very scary. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But we'll get to her. Yeah. Uh, I guess the idea was because she doesn't age fast in the book. She's just very smart. But, like, this movie's already got one mm. spooky baby. It doesn't need, like, two. Doesn't need more. I mm. I had my fill of spooky babies in the first five minutes of this movie. I don't need any <laughs> yeah. more. You know? Uh, Gosh. That's why the boss baby sequel's not going to work, is because there's two <laughs> boss babies. Boss you, baby three, give me spooky one boss baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> don't joke. That's going to- You've managed that, well, yeah, that Yeah, that'll actually sure happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, anyway, <laughs> going back to Gady Prime, we're having probably the weirdest scene in the whole movie, uh, where oh, yeah. <laughs> Thufa is being tortured. Um, uh, an aspect of Gady Prime and the Harkonnens I haven't covered yet is that they have heart plugs. This is another change from the book, uh, just mm. proving the cruelty of the Harkonnens. They have these like little things injected into their hearts, like little metallic pieces that if you, they're pulled, you instantly die. Um, mm. just proving this like a horrible cruelty of their world effectively. So Thufus had one of these put into him, um, bad times for him. And also Fade and Baron come in with a little cat in a cage <laughs> and the, his torture is that he has to quote milk this little cat as milk its soft little body <laughs> um, <laughs> to cure a poison in his in Thufa's body, um, and he has to do it every day. <laughs> it's so weird. It's the weirdest thing. 
And Thuford like has little to no reaction to this. <laughs> he yeah, just sort of he just sort of sits there being like, what the fuck? Okay. And like yeah. doesn't say anything. It's just we move on very quickly from this. But this is the most David Lynch thing in this whole film. Like a hundred percent. He's been he agreed to make this movie on the condition that some would would milk a little cat in a cage, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like that's yeah. his MO. Um but oh. yeah, Pink Floyd are on board with this whole torture as well because they sing Fritter and Waste the Hours in an offhand way here in the middle of time um, or in the beginning of time. So if, if milking a little cat isn't frittering and wasting the hours in an offhand <laughs> way, I don't know what else is. Oh, oh deeply it's disturbing. Just, if this came back in any way, oh my God. fine. But the fact it doesn't and we don't no. even see Toother again. <laughs> is so no. strange and the there's also he's a small he's out there somewhere to milking the cat. this cat <laughs> yeah yeah the harkonnen's full <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> I've, I've done what the scene did to the film by reminding us of the mouse that we're going to be too confused by the harkonnen's full and he's just stuck there in like the wastelands with his cat and mouse yeah just wasting uh, away the days through yeah, for his little cat yeah bad times yeah a mouse tied to the cat it's all in a weird box being carried by sting himself yeah and they made it into a toy yeah <laughs> i was gonna say yeah the what the center we imaged to gareth of the the line of toys that were created for this movie <laughs> and we've got uh we've got the baron in his weird suit We've got Paul in his regalia. We've got Gurney holding his gun and unfortunately not a pug holding another no. gun. I think I think <laughs> a weirding module. I wish he was holding a little pug. That would be incredible. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, uh, we've got Fade holding what looks like his knife and also the little cat in the cage. <laughs> like like it's, he's, he's dropping it off at the cattery. <laughs> so <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> Took oh. him all morning to lure the cat in there and now he can yeah. go on holiday. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, oh my God. I, yeah. I feel I feel great for the little pug that lives on Arrakis slash Caladan. I feel terrible for the cat that lives on Gady Prime. <laughs> yeah. You know? These are the two emotions. Mm. <laughs> oh. Um but yeah, uh, wild little scene, completely ignored for the rest of the movie. Because um, oh, yeah. back on Arrakis, we're in the middle of time solo and we're seeing Paul and Shani making out, um, fully oh, yes. in love at this point. Um, and yeah, that we like cut away from them briefly and then cut back and they're naked as well. So good for <laughs> them. Um, and go. then Paul... Uh, after that, Paul goes and sees the, the Freeman warriors who have gathered in like a very long chamber. Um, just a bunch of indistinct silhouettes, <laughs> really. Very hard to see <laughs> what's going on. Um, but yeah, he says that he'll lead them against the Harkonnens and teach them the weirding way. He's taking control here, basically. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, he says Arrakis will become the center of the universe. And so... Weirding way training 101 begins with his the select warriors that he's chosen. Um, he's gathered them into a room. And as part of the demonstration, there's a large obelisk, which he instructs one of the boys to 
to try and break through punching it and uh, pushing it over and yelling at it. And he gets a guy to like zap it with a weird gun <laughs> and nothing, <laughs> nothing can break the obelisk except for the weirding module, which is this voice activated device that I talked about earlier. And he activates it with a powerful shaksa. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it shoots out a little beam and blows up the obelisk. Um, really dumb, but fair enough. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's a weird little thing as well. Like, hey, remember the obelisk in 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yeah. Well, this sci fi epic. Get that shit out of here. (laughs) (laughs) This ain't your dad's safe sci fi. Uh, Get your dad's obelisk out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so get ready to hear a lot of that Chuck Saar, because if you if you didn't like it here, you're not going to like it for the rest of the film. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, Pink Floyd do agree with this adaptation, though, because they sing Hear the Softly Spoken Magic Spell at the end of mm. um, time here, which is similar to what is going on with the weirding modules. It is sort of a magic spell being spoken. You sing this, these specific words to activate this weaponized device right so that's a sync yeah Um, it's also the fact he's shooting this big reflective item with a laser is very mm. um dark side of the moon album cover so yeah for that there we go pretty good pretty good um Mm. yeah so everyone's pretty on board with this plan once they see that we can be blowing up obelisks um and so uh, yeah, we're moving into Great Gig and into a bit of a montage of training. Um, a guy, they're testing out these weirding modules and um, one of the guys says Paul's name, Mordeeb, uh, and that overloads and activates a weirding module, setting it off and shooting off a beam, um, indicating that his name is, quote, a killing word, which in the mm. book is much more of like a metaphorical kind of thing, <laughs> you know? It's not like... <laughs> uh yeah you say my name and someone dies <laughs> that's not actually how it is <laughs> but it's been literally interpreted here so whatever um but yeah uh it seems like it would be a real liability as well out in the battlefield saying someone's name and everyone's guns get set off um anyway <laughs> yeah bit problematic just hope they're facing the right way yeah right be pretty good at aiming i hope um anyway the final Uh, test for young Paul here is he's got to ride that worm, baby. Um, they get, he gets given the, um, maker hook from Stilgar and gets sent out, uh, to ride the worm. And, um, yeah, pretty much just does that pretty easily. Sets up a thumper, draws in a big old worm and, um, climbs up on it with some ropes and just starts, Riding it, the Freemen look really bored uh, <laughs> watching this happen. <laughs> Presumably, they've seen it multiple times because, you know, I can't wait to see how they handle this in the modern adaptation. I'm very excited because mm. we saw a little bit of worm riding as like a tease um, at the end of the last movie. And yeah, I'm excited to see like the big assault and everything, you know, with the worms. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah, I reckon they'll probably, this is again one of my big predictions, I reckon they're going to skip a lot of the training. I think they're going to show some of the other characters for a bit and then show Paul kind of Mm. already, like, 
scary and sealed in, but I mean, I'm not a professional filmmaker, so maybe right. that's a bad idea. <laughs> no, I think you're probably right. I think I'll think they'll be they'll be <laughs> mixing it up a bit, you know. So, hmm. well, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see where they go with it in the next one, anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, Paul gets given fifteen of the best warriors to serve as his guard, <laughs> and um, they show um as we go into money here, um, Stilgar like shows off like the big hand symbol. So like that scene from his visions has come to pass this like outstretched palm is the symbol for these warriors, I guess. Don't really know. Mm. Um, and yeah, over the next two years, can you believe it? It's Friday once again. <laughs> um, they go out there and are assaulting all the spice harvesting operations. Um, just taking them down and yeah using a, a lot of bloody guns <laughs> to do this <laughs> yeah it's, it's really lame they're just running out shooting mm. guns um the the spice harvesting gets stopped it's, it's they they show it through montage it's that boring it's like <laughs> yeah uh it's unreal um yeah, the Harkonnens are taking heavy casualties and we see um, the, uh, not the Baron, the, the Beast Raban is trying to figure out what's going on. Um, mm. But all of the people are coming back just saying more Deeb over and over again. And they're like, we don't know who or what that is. <laughs> so they, they can't figure it out. Um, and yeah, uh, there's like an over, a voiceover of, um, over this montage of battles that, um, we get like more exposition as to what's been going on over these two years. Paul's sister mm. ages rapidly and turns into a terrifying ghost child. Um, oh yes. It's <laughs> how I would describe her. Um, Paul and Charney fall even deeper in love. And then, um, we also run into Gurney out here. Um, who has mm. been surviving in the desert um, and has um, the blue eyes of the Fremen as well because he's been exposed to the spice. And, yeah, he's stoked to be here. Um, and he's back. I do love him running over the the, the exchange between him and Paul because Paul comes over and says, Gurney, Gurney man. And he <laughs> says, you young pup, you young pup. Over and over. <laughs> It's great. Just I just want I just want Patrick Stewart to call me a young pup. Yes. That's the energy uh, I want to bring into this new year. <laughs> I feel like he'll be about to. Like he would have flown all the way to New Zealand. He would have done two weeks of MIQ. He's yeah. there. He walks up to your house. He knocks on your door. <laughs> you open the door. He's about to say, James, you young pup. And then you see a photograph of Freddie Jones and you just <laughs> can't pay attention to him now <laughs> yeah just uh just like passing by on like the side of a van or something and i'm like yeah. what who are you and then i sign <laughs> for like a package that doesn't exist and slam the door on patrick Stewart. that's the, that's how that goes it's a tragic it story mm. yeah yeah and then he has got a hitchhike back to england yeah. probably anyway um yeah or la yeah, or LA. Um, 
Yeah, so the Emperor meets with the Space and Guild again. Um, young Bruce Willis is here um, telling him off, not bringing out, wheeling out the big space baby this time, but he's saying, mm. hey, get a handle on the whole Arrakis situation. We at the Space and Guild need that spice. Everybody needs the spice. Sort it out, Emperor. You're the Emperor. Get down there. Fix it. Um, we, we're not taking no shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they say, we need to take down this more deep. Whoever that is, get in there and stop him um, or you'll live out your life in a pain amplifier, um, <laughs> presumably a large scale version of the pain box, <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, Oof. Yeah, not not a good time. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, pretty good incentive for the emperor. Um, meanwhile, Paul astral projects while lying in bed and <laughs> sees <laughs> these uh, these spacing guild men um, talking amongst themselves and finds out that they're worried about him having the water of life and truly becoming the Messiah, um, which he kind of knew about already, but was scared to do. Um, mm. And yeah, he um, wakes up and decides that he has to drink the water of life. Um, and Shani's like, no, don't be doing that because everyone that has done that has died. <laughs> Every man who's drank it mm -hmm. has, has died very quickly after. Um, and she doesn't want that. <laughs> and Paul's like, no, nah, got to do it. Sorry, babe. Got to drink that poison. Um, and so they go out into over money's final verse out into the desert <laughs> and they, the boys tie him up. <laughs> to like i guess control his <laughs> spasms or whatever um and yeah he gets uh shani says that um you are my life and then she pours this gross uh blue liquid into his mouth mm. um and yeah paul has um his next uh, his new powerful vision um with a bunch of uh sort of strange stuff he says the worm is the spice and the spice is the worm and doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's all it's all very clear to him and nothing is clear to the audience is the real issue with yeah. this. Um, it's oh, not yes. really explained what's really what's happening here. Um, but while he's going on this um, astral voyage <laughs> into his uh, psyche, as he um, sort of deconstructs here in the middle of the desert, um, the um, the worms gather around and uh, don't attack the group like they would usually, um, but they just sort of like start singing effectively is how I would describe it. They start like <laughs> roaring um, yeah. out here in the desert, sort of a, a choir of worms is how I would describe it. Um, mm. And yeah. Paul is having a bad time. This this blue stuff is um, affecting him, and also because he's uh, he's starts crying blood, and um, both his mother and his sister are also bleeding out um, of their like nose and mouth and stuff, um, and and also the Reverend Mother uh, with the the Emperor. Um, so all the Bene Gesserit are feeling the effects of this mm. um, vision, of this process. Uh, presumably because they're all tied together through their whole eugenics plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they're all reverend mothers now, even. Yeah, they ha they have like a shared psyche and a shared like seeing of the future power, right? Mm. So this is all part of that. 
And Paul is delving into the place where none of them dared to go. Um, and yeah, uh, he says, if I can con truly control this, the worm and the spice, he can destroy the spice forever. And he, if he, he mm. like wields it as a weapon. Um, he also sees the little space baby navigator guy, the mutant, is also <laughs> just vibing out here. Don't know why, but he's <laughs> and he's part of this vision as well. So, okay. <laughs> Don't forget me. Yeah, he just sort of flies around. It's like, okay, yeah. I guess he's quite trippy. So, it's, it's fine mm. that he's here. Um, yes, but Paul manages to survive this harrowing journey um, into his soul. And he stands up and calls up to the sky to his father and he yells the sleeper has awakened so the mm. prophecy be true gareth um all done uh and yeah they he rallies the troops under mordeeb and prepares them for battle uh he says a storm is coming and they're gonna take that what's theirs they're coming for the emperor coming to rough them up um <laughs> and yeah and, and and the emperor is is coming down uh, to to Arrakis to sort it out um, as as is his one. He's been told to do that, and he's coming down in his um, armored ship, which is painted gold. <laughs> hilariously, it's exactly the same <laughs> as the other ships, except that it's all gold. <laughs> mm. Which you know, just emperor things. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the troops head out in massive numbers and they wrangle up some worms with like a bunch of thumpers, uh, to draw them in. And, um, the, we see that the Baron and, um, his minion friend, uh, have come here to investigate as well. <laughs> They've been summoned by the emperor. Um, and yeah, the, the Baron has brought aboard the emperor's flagship as it lands in Arakeen. And, uh, yeah, he is brought before them and sees that Raban has been beheaded and his head is sitting between them as they have this meeting, which is pretty damn dramatic. And oh, yeah. I kind of hope that this happens in the adaptation, uh, the future adaptation, because it's like, holy shit, that's real serious. Mm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the, uh, the emperor himself has been forced to come and sort the situation out and is sort of, uh, grilling, um, the Baron for leaving Raban in charge and for fucking everything up. And who should appear but Paul's creepy sister who <laughs> yes. just fucking comes out, this little child actor who is so scary and mm -hmm. just speaks in like a haunting sort of baby voice in the adaptation, in this, in the like sound on when Pink Floyd aren't playing. So it was a nice reprieve this time around, not having <laughs> yeah. to hear her creepy voice. Um, but yeah, she's just like taunting the emperor and the reverend mother yeah. and can like weevil her way into people's minds because she has the Bene Gesserit powers. And mm. yeah, she uses the voice to force the reverend mother to reveal that she is Paul's sister and that Paul is in fact more deep, which is something that we knew, but none of the characters knew. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, not that dramatic in that way, but that's fine. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, they, the, the storm that Paul was talking about that they've brought for this battle is literal as well. And that there's <laughs> a, a full storm blowing, which means that the, um, the Harkins and the Sardaukar can't use their ships 
in part of this combat presumably mm. to save on budget um more so than anything uh for the film <laughs> yes um, oh yeah they also um blow up a rock wall with quote unquote atomics um i guess yeah. like atomic <laughs> bombs don't know what's going on with atomics uh but mm. they are a thing um but yeah there they are atomics this- in the book okay but it's like you said shields um mess them up so I, yeah yeah i don't know what the explanation is in the movie they just use them in this for no real reason so that's fine yeah wedding uh, way why not you know uh yeah so they blow up the rock wall and it lets the like sand flow into the area um over top of the palace etc and allows the worms to come in for the assault on the palace um hmm. and yeah uh the the emperor goes over to like a weird little like golden computer desk and sets up with his generals here and starts like playing a video game where he's trying to shoot down the worms <laughs> which i found very funny um and the little mm-hmm. kid is using her mind magic on the baron to sort of control his mind and hold him in place um and not allow him to leave um and yeah the the battle ensues it's really really dull because it's just people standing on top of sandworms <laughs> um firing these um weirding modules into the crowds mm. um and saying like shaksa and more deep and that's it and we see them like standing in front of cgi backgrounds shooting these little things uh, and then interspersed with people in like stormtrooper helmets, <laughs> effectively just jumping away from explosions, <laughs> and that's it for like mm. probably about ten minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. it's very, it's very pew pew laser guns, and not very. Um, yeah. It's definitely like let's make this more like Star Wars. You know, it mm. it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like Dune. I don't know. It's it's no good. Uh, but yeah, I, I have very little to say about the whole sequence. It's just, yeah, there's yeah, a, big, a big fight. It's like, it commits the biggest crime of being a David Lynch film and being boring at that part. It's just like, oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Just, just, we just got to move on, you know? Um, mm, yeah. The, like, it, it, the, it culminates with, like, a really dumb part as well and that the, they wait for a long time and then um, the uh, uh, Alia, the little, the little kid, Paul's sister, eventually controls the Baron, like, brings him over to her, like, slashes his face with, like, a little knife yeah. or something. I don't know what's going on there. And then unplugs his little heart plugs, sends him spinning around uh the room like like spinning like very cartoonily out the wall flying through space and then uh into the mouth of a worm who just eats him up of course all that's missing is like the burp sound and then a laugh a canned laugh like legitimately (laughs) is how i felt about that like it all felt like a cartoon i was like this is so Mm. dumb (laughs) yeah oh just you know just the cartoony death for just such a like supposedly the main villain of the movie but whatever um anyway 
Uh, that's uh, so strange. Yeah, we also get the can't think of anything to say as that happens. Uh, the little ad libby bit there um, mm. at the at the end of brain damage. Yeah. Um, so I can't think of anything to say about that. Um, yeah. Which works. And then, yeah, we go into Eclipse as we get the final shot of this battle, which is just Alia somehow out in the desert now um, with fire behind her over a black sky. Uh, and she's just holding a knife and has blood in her other hand. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, it's, it's just, a- just grooving. <laughs> Yeah, it's a wild image. <laughs> like, just this, like, actually six year old kid <laughs> standing mm. out here, like, holding a blade <laughs> with fire behind them. It's like, what the fuck? And yeah, like, yeah. hard cut from that to the palace. <laughs> it's like, what? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a final scene here where the. Um, uh, they're basically like negotiations after this battle where um, the Fremen have soundly won. Um, the mm-hmm. remaining Harkonnens have been rounded up and the Emperor is here as well. Um, and yeah, they've come to like negotiate terms. Um, Paul comes in uh, with Gurney and Stilgar and um, he scolds the Reverend Mother for um, the whole Gomjabar thing. And he's like, I can kill mm. you with a word. <laughs> um yeah just a a big threat for her um there is a very metal line here i don't know what it's in reference to but someone says and his word shall carry death eternal which is like whoa Mm. (laughs) oh scary stuff um but uh fade can't stand this anymore and he needs to get involved and he challenges paul um and paul takes him on in a knife fight uh he uh, Fade is given the Emperor's sword uh, or blade to use, and Gurney begs to fight this guy. He's like, he's a Harkonnen. Let me fight him. <laughs> Let me at him. Uh, full <laughs> yeah, scrappy I'll scrap dude. Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Paul's like, no, no, no. This is, I have to do this. And they square off, and we go into playthrough four. Um, for this, uh, over the mm-hmm. heartbeats, they are squaring up against each other, and we see Pink Floyd in the background of the uh, of the shot playing on these big drums. They're all here gathered. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got all the different members uh, that we know and love, and they're all playing these weird triangular drums. Gareth, did you spot them? They make a cameo. Spot the Toto? No, Toto cameo. Is it actually Toto? It's got to be, right? Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> you hope so? Toto? I was doing I was doing it a bit uh, doing a bit that it was Pink Floyd, but if it actually is Toto, that's really wonderful. They're all just playing these I big drums. I never joke about my Toto. That's why I totally <laughs> blocked your joke, sorry. <laughs> that's fine, man. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, they what have we this never talk about item. is that Pink Floyd are Toto, so, you know, there's that. Yeah, they are one in the same band. Yeah. It's one of the best kept secrets mm. in the music industry. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, they can't have all the hits, you know. They've got a, it's like some kind of uh, scheme to divide up the hide all the money, basically. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, it's all a get rich quick kind of scheme. It's just like have one band and they make all the music and you just give it 18 different names. Okay. Yeah. That'll be fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, and each album is designed to sync with a movie. And once you figure that out, you know where to go to hide in the bunker for when the worm war comes. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I forgot all about our bunker plan. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's why we're doing the show. (laughs) Finally. Oh, gosh. Can't wait to sleep tight in my bunker tonight. Um, Mm. So, finally, this, yeah, this fight with Fade... Uh, he, of course, fights dirty and um, his, like, main threat that he just keeps yelling is, I will kill him. And that's it. Like, that's <laughs> all he's got, really. Um, he does, like, creepily say, like, talk about Shani as, like, the little one, which I don't like. But um, mm. um, And then, yeah, he's got, like, a hidden, like, poisoned blade that sticks out his thigh, I think, <laughs> like, part of his suit. Um, as like an extra little trick um paul like effectively wins by allowing himself to get pinned and then uses uh fade's strength against him like uses momentum to like throw him to the floor and jams his knife into his neck and then he like breaks the floor underneath of fade and like shatters his chest with a word Mm. well with using the voice and he does it without the use of a weirding module, Gareth. Whoa. Truly, his powers are great. Um, again, this is just how it works in the book. You can just do it without a weirding module. So, you know. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, he gets he becomes the new leader in this moment and is given a cape to signify that. Pretty sweet looking cape. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, we go into breathe as he's sort of given a final word about um, how... Arrakis was created to test the faithful and created these great warriors and yeah um and the future's gonna change and uh mm. we see like light bursting up from the ground um and then it starts raining um the first rain on Arrakis um and and we zoom in on Paul's eye and inside his eye we see a great ocean presumably the future um yeah of arrakis like a reforming sort of terraforming situation where there's going to be oceans here and yeah we get the final line of the movie from his creepy little sister saying that there's like <laughs> but why and then he says because paul is the quizart's header and then that's the final line of the film what a way to go out um yeah but it's not quite yeah. the way it goes out because then we get oh, the yeah. classic sitcom credits. <laughs> oh my god, I loved this. So yes, the credits mm. are done with like we get everyone's in in, in alphabetical order, which is bizarre. Wild. Um, um but they also we just see like a shot of them staring down the lens. Um and uh <laughs> like just like in case you forgot who the characters were, I guess. Like, yeah. oh, that's that's this person, sure. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> but some of them, they definitely couldn't get back for these final shots. Um, <laughs> this was obviously done much later because a couple of people have just been rotoscoped out of scenes of the film. Like, yeah. Liet Kynes and I'm pretty sure that, uh, what's his name? I've forgotten already. Um, bloody, the guy who dies to the, with the dart to the head very quickly. Um He's also uh, rotoscoped. 
Yeah, Duncan, I don't know. Yeah, du- Duncan, I don't know. That, yeah, he also gets rotoscoped <laughs> in. So, it's, it's yeah, very weird <laughs> way to end the film. So strange. Um, but, yeah, basically yeah, we get Predator on the run. the same. Yeah, oh, yeah, true. I forgot about that. Mm. With everyone, like, smiling to camera <laughs> after they've all, like, <laughs> yeah, that's died true. That's horribly. Yeah. yeah. It's a similar vibe. At least everyone here is, like, mm. stoically staring. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we get on the run for the credits. And that's pretty much it. Playthrough four. Uh, what did you think? How did it sink, Gareth? Oh, oh, what did I think? How did it sink? As we round off what is now, I'm pretty sure, just slid into our longest episode. Pure episode we've done. But, you know, Pink Floyd. You've got David Gilmore. You've mm-hmm. got N- Nick. You've got, you know, old drama man. I'm old seriously blanking on their names. That's Listen, how it's been it a while, is. man. And it's very late at night. Uh, um, but most, you know, you've got Roger Waters. Yeah. Now, you know what's not on the planet Arrakis? Water. And it's I true. reckon there's a reason for that. It's because uh, <laughs> you can't have a sink without some water yeah you know? it's why it's why they called them sinks yeah man you can't yeah, sink in sand why, yeah that's why jaws gets a 10 that's why um cocoon gets a nine that's yeah. why you know maybe we figured water, it out yeah yeah <sighs> the drier so, the movie um, the 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 lower the score <laughs> yeah Like, did you see any water in Whiplash? No. (laughs) Don't fact check it. No. Absolutely not. So, I think this has to sit incredibly comfortably with its um, 2021 counterpart. Like, no one really wins. What do you think? No, I'm with you there. That that makes perfect Mm. sense to me, bud. We've got to put it low. Yeah. The couple sinks we get, I guess, are like the Fremen saving their moisture and you knowing to use it wisely. Like, yeah, I did really enjoy um, our narrator fading in and then fading out on the guitars. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think that moisture is going to get me through a long day under the suns of Arrakis. So, yeah, low number. Yeah, like one or two then or two, three. Yeah. Th- yeah. yeah. No, I feel too, man. I'm feeling too. Two. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Plot it on the graph. There it is. Dry old two. It's up there. And and glorious uh, marker pen. Uh, Anyway, Mm. (laughs) uh, what are we doing next week? We're back to the regular scheduled broadcast, Gareth. Yeah. What's what's that sound? A clip clop? A clip clop? It's our bullshit. We should get back on it, James. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. We've finished, you know, we've finished the crawler days. We've finished Finally, Dark Side yeah. of the Dune. Mm. There's, you know, and now our listeners are probably looking at themselves and they're going, here we go again. You mm. know, as we we back on this journey, this journey that takes us, you know, it does take us from A to B. But sometimes it does take us back from B to A. And, mm. you know, it's enough to make you want to curse the Holy Mother in Italian 
So we're going to have to watch, you know, a film, a film as we try to find the genetic procreator of this album, the movie that would father this album. We can only do it by watching 2008's Mamma Mia. Oh, oh my God. That's a big (laughs) one. Yeah. I can't wait for that. That's very exciting news. Oh my gosh. That's a Mamma Mia. And Pink Floyd. (laughs) Yeah. Man. Okay. Looking forward to that next week. Yes. Great. All right. Oh my gosh. Catch well, us on the socials. Yeah. Yeah. At Sync Floyd Pod on Twitter, Sync Floyd on Letterboxd and yep. Facebook, uh, Sync Floyd Pod at gmail.com. Um, thank you to everyone who sent nice words about our June spectacular so far. And yeah. especially thank you to people who told us their spit style. Yeah. That was um, awesome. Shout out to you, Heavy Rain. <laughs> Incredible. <was> very nice. <laughs> Um, goodness me, and I've been Gareth Blacklow. I've been, and I remain, James Barron. Yeah. And we'll see you on the dark side of the dune. On the dark side of the dune. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 